episode of Dopey is brought to you by our very good friends in sunny Southern California, Oro Recovery. Oro was created by Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob, with their mission treating alcoholism and drug addiction by using compassion and connection, not control. Their staff has decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness. They make sure that your stay is comfortable, that your detox is as comfortable as possible. They have amenities that are just killer, fucking equine therapy, surfing, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. Everyone that I've spoken to that has ever been to Oro all said the same thing, that it was one of the greatest experiences of their lives. So if you can go to sunny Southern California to get well, I cannot suggest Oro enough. Check them out at ororecovery.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by Sober Buddy. Sober Buddy is an app. It is a platform. It is a community. And I have a really good time working with the Sober Buddy world. I host a Zoom for Sober Buddy on Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock as the day begins. Last meeting was killer. 28 people came. We supported some some different people in early recovery, and that's what Sober Buddy is all about. It's meeting each other. It's using tools to help us stay sober or get sober. There is an app that has challenges. There is a tracker that keeps track of your clean time, and there's kind of a social media platform that lets you coexist with a bunch of other addicts and alcoholics in recovery. There's a 30-day free trial I think it costs $12 a month, 
It is so worth it. If you want another tool in your toolbox, check them out at YourSoberBuddy.com or at the App Store or the Google Play Store. Check it out. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Soberlink. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace. Talking about sobriety and proving it to your employer can be so difficult, and our friends at Soberlink want to help. If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of sobriety to a boss or a loved one, Soberlink can help. Soberlink is a high-tech portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify identity. It has unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used, and it sends results directly to your specified contacts. So there's no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. Learn more about Soberlink and request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting www.soberlink.com slash dopey. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by The Phoenix. The Phoenix is a an alcoholic or addict in recovery's best friend. They find gym classes, pickleball, hikes, music performances, and so much more. The Phoenix is an app. It's on your phone. You can get it at the App Store or the Google Play Store. Basically, the people at the Phoenix believe that it's easier to get sober while doing stuff. So go to thephoenix.org, get the app, get out there, get active, and have fun. The only cost of doing anything with the Phoenix is having 48 hours of sober or clean time. So check them out at thephoenix.org. And welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I kind of want to do a Mark Marin ripoff. What's up, dopes, dopies, dopeheads, dopenics, dopiates? What else could you say? Doesn't matter. Hope you guys are good. It is an exciting evening because I get to put together the old Dopey show. And if you didn't know, it is a great honor and pleasure and privilege to make the show every week still. It's this great thrill. It's this great, enjoyable thing. Yesterday I had, oh my God, I don't even know how to say what happened yesterday because it was such, I was like fucking high. I was like high. It's like wasted. And why was I wasted? And And this is a spoiler, well... I'm taking away from the fact that I talk about this later in the show with my dad, but I need to just talk about this experience with you really quickly. I went to Katz's yesterday where I met with a chef, a famous chef. He calls himself Chef Scottish Francis. He runs a spot called the Shortbread Society. He beat Bobby Flay. He's on the Netflix show Snack vs. Chef. He's a masterful baker, and he has stepped in to take on the challenge 
of the Othello cookie. He showed up at Katz's with a box full of delicious Othellos, the first prototype he has made. And it was, uh, it was incredible. It was, I, I just telling him the story, remembering that the idea and, and anyone who doesn't know the Othello cookie was thought of by me 10 years ago while I was still, you know, I was basically getting high on weed at that point, maybe a little bit of pills here and there. And the uh, if you know anything about a black and white cookie, a black and white cookie half is black and half is white. Where I work, it's you know basically all Dominicans that work there. A young, not that that matters. A young Dominican guy on the back counter cut off the frosting and put the black part with the white part and took a bite. I took a bunch of cookies home, sat with one of my best friends, Devin, and I said, I saw this kid at work do this crazy thing. Cut off the icing, put it together. Me and Devin tried it, and I said to Devin these words that changed my life forever. It's black and white in every bite. And that was the beginning of the legend of the Othello cookie. If you know anything about the Othello, you know there will be an Othello cookie, which is black and white in every bite, a white-on-white cookie, which is all of the privilege and none of the guilt, and the controversial black-on-black cookie, which is so delicious it could be a crime. Uh, I'm very excited because we are on our way. Katz's owner was very impressed with Scottish chef Scottish Francis, and uh, and and so was I. It, it was, and I swear I was running back and forth behind the counter, giving the guys shortbread and rainbow cookies and letting them taste the Othello. I gave Lenny an Othello. I swear to God, I, I felt like I was uh, on drugs. I said, I feel I feel as good as I used to feel on heroin, maybe. But it was a it was a great moment. So I think the Othello tomorrow, me and my two kids are gonna go back to Katz's to get the second iteration of the Othello. The first iteration was incredible. The icing was unreal, but the cookie was for me a little thick and a little too lemony. Tomorrow it will be snappier and butterier. And I don't know if that if this is interesting to you guys, but everybody wants to know: will I get rich off the Othello cookie? Will the Othello cookie sweep from coast to coast? How did I get a real chef to get in on the process? I don't know. It's passion. It's love. Really, anything in life is exactly the same as recovery. It's all about persistence, love, and stick to And now I will read a dopey note. Okay, here we go. Hey, Dave, huge fan of the podcast. Been listening for a few years now. Dopey is the only thing I listen to at work and in the car. I'm obsessed. Ha ha. I just hit my one year on May 25th off heroin. All right, hold on. All right. Vape knocks. Yeah, da, 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 da. Um, and your show has been so helpful in staying sober. Thanks for all you do. I was wondering how I'd go about getting some of your awesome stickers. Would love to get some and show my support down here in Charleston, South Carolina. Keep up the amazing work. You're doing amazing things. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for all you do. Look forward to hearing from you. I'm not going to say her name because maybe she doesn't want us to say her name. But I want to say, if you want one free sticker, I will give you a free sticker thanks to the good folks at Custom Stickers. And if you want to make your own stickers you go to customsticker.com. You know, somebody went to the wrong place. 
We did this ad before and somebody went there and they went to the wrong place. So hold on. Yes, if you want to make incredible stickers and you want to get them back in a quick, quick, quick turnaround and at the best price, make sure you go to customstickerswithans.com and use the code DOPEY20 and save 20% off your order. And if you want a free Dopey sticker, write me an email, dopeypodcast at gmail.com and I will send you one. If you want a pack, Venmo me 10 bucks, I'll send you a pack. And if you also want a pack, fucking join Patreon. Patreon is loaded with stuff. I've been doing a Just For Today video every day. I did one with my dad and with Ray. We did an extra Raytreon audio special. We, we have the Aurora Succession special. There's so much stuff on Patreon. Please check it out. If, you, if you're a big listener of the show, and you want to support us, you go to www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. That is the best way to support the show. Okay? Good. Thank you. So I'm going to read another one. Here we go. Dudes, I'm fucked. I'm a heroin junkie in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's Thursday night, and I have to start a job on Monday. I have a bunch of subs, so my plan is to start the subs tomorrow. I never know what... When the time is, though, I hear that. In the past, I've taken them too early and went right into precepts. Holy fuck, that was hell. I never want to do that again. Anyway, I think a good 24 hours should be enough. That'll be right when the withdrawals start to get super uncomfortable and I start to get hella sick. Fuck, this shit sucks, man. I'm so tired of living like this. I've been using H for like 20 years now. There have been more than a few periods of sobriety in that 20 and right now, I'm really that strung out. Oh, I'm really not strung out. I've been way worse. But still, detox fucking sucks. Yes. But with the subs, I should be fully transitioned by Sunday, so I'm hoping like hell that I am. Love your podcast. I find it. I found it about a month ago and have listened every day since. Keep fighting the good fight. You guys are entertaining and helping lots of people. R.I.P. Chris. Wish me luck. Coop. Well, good luck, Coop. You can do it. And if you need uh oh yeah, give me your address and I will send you some socks. Let us know if you made it uh on Sunday, if if this worked and if you went into precepts or not. We have uh an excellent if I do say so myself, we have an excellent show today. We have this incredible guest named Ethan Supley. Uh and Ethan Supley, if you didn't know, hold on. Yay! <laughs> Oh, whoops. We don't need the birds chirping. Why is the birds chirping? Oh, those are crickets. That that takes away from Ethan Supley's applause. All right. You get the picture. So we have Ethan Supley. He starred in movies like Blow and American History X and Remember the Titans and My Name is Earl. And he was a horrible drug addict, food addict, coke addict, and now he's sober on Dopey. We also... Have my dad returning to the show, and uh, yeah, let's not get crazy. And uh, it's nice to hear from my dad. And then a special bonus piece with everyone's favorite fuck up, Fentanyl J. And I'm not gonna say where he's at. You should stick around and listen to him. We don't get enough voicemails, but we got a voicemail from this dude, and I feel obliged to play it. Hey Dave, hey Dopey Nation, this is Miles from California. 
And just a little background about me, I have was 22-year uh, run of IV heroin for the most part, and uh, 17 months ago I got into recovery and never looked back. And so in a program, happy to be here, grateful to be clean and sober. Um, but I don't want to talk about the solution, I want to talk about the problem. Haha, <laughs> lay some dopey on you. So this is going back to, uh, 23 years or so, when early days of my uh, opiate addiction. At the time, I had just moved overseas to a small Asian country where they do not have a sense of humor about drugs. In fact, they have mandatory death sentence for anyone trafficking in narcotics in their definition. And as an expat, I was not immune from that potential. In fact, a few months before the story I'm about to tell you happened, uh, they had hanged three Australians for bringing some pot into the country. So these people are serious, just to get that out there. Okay, but I was also a horrible opiate addict at the time. I, of course, had brought some with me and ran it through it and the usual story. And so the only way that I had, there was, I definitely wasn't going to go out and try to score in this place, um, was to have my friend in uh, in the States FedEx drugs to me. Okay, great idea, right? <laughs> so they, uh, my friend was, this was in the early 2000s, so he could just doctor shop. He had like, you know, supposed pain issues, and therefore he got like two 100-count pharmacy bottles of OxyContin 80 milligrams uh, and about 100 diluted 8 milligrams for quote-unquote breakthrough pain. So he had tons of opiates, and so he would sell them to me. And the, the method we had was that he would, he, he would send me CDs. So remember, you know, compact discs in the old days. And if you remember the jewel cases that they used to come in, I don't know if you know this, but if you take out the plastic tray from the transparent case, there's a place along the spine where you can hide maybe, I don't know, 20 OC80s-ish. And, uh, and once you put everything back together, you just can't see them. They're, like, very well hidden. So that's what we would do. He'd send me, you know, three or four CDs by FedEx and... Uh, and, you know, if you've ever had drugs delivered by FedEx, you know this phenomenon of obsessively tracking it every five minutes, tracking update, tracking update, and, you know, watching it go, in this case, from Oregon or wherever the hell to whatever, Louisville, Kentucky, whatever their hub is, and then to London and Frankfurt and then off to points east where I was living. And I would track it and it would get, it, would, it was FedEx Express, but it's not overnight. It takes a couple of days when you're, when you're that far away. Anyway, and I would, get delivered to the place where I was working. And uh, and this worked, you know, it worked a few times. Until one time, as I was watching it track, it got as far as the, the airport in the country where I was living, and I got the dreaded tracking exception. And, you know, again, if you've ever done this with drugs, the tracking exception is like, that's the beginning of the nightmare. Of course, I was sick. Uh, I always, this was the pattern. I would, you know, have my friend send me a bunch that was supposed to last a month. It would last two weeks, and I'd be it just sick as a dog, and then, you know, the next month would come on. Anyway, so tracking exception. Okay, so that's pretty bad. That usually means, you know, it's been lost or diverted or something has happened. So I called the FedEx office, and they're like, yeah, um, your package has been diverted by uh, airport police. You need to go to their office to collect it. So in this country, that has the death penalty for trafficking narcotics. But I'm sick, and I need my drugs. So I get in a taxi, race to the airport, go to the airport um, security police office. 
go in the main door. And I, so this is a country where they, they again, they're, they're not kidding about law and order. You go in the front door of the airport police and there are two like policemen, they look like soldiers. They've got big old assault rifles and, you know, loaded and, uh, uh, you know, they're ready to use them. So I go in, find the office, and I kind of speak the language here. So I was speaking in the in the local language, and uh, and this like they send me to this officer, and he asks my name and sees my passport and so on, and he says, "Wait here," and he goes out and he comes back carrying this FedEx envelope, and I'm like starting to salivate. That's the, that's the envelope. There it is, my drug, and he. It's been opened, and he takes out one of the CDs, and he says, what is this? And I said, you know, it's a CD, my friend sends me music. And, and indeed, he had put music on the CDs. Like, uh, I think one of them was Legend by Bob Marley. And, um, and so he opens it up, and he's looking at it. At, he opens the CD case, takes out the CD, and he's kind of looking at the CD in one hand, the case in the other. And this is a moment where my entire life was on the knife edge. If he had decide to take the tray out of the case, he would have found the drugs and I would have, God knows what would have happened. Prison, probably death by hanging. Certainly humiliation if, and, you know, best case, I would have been kicked out of the country, deported. Or he would just shrug, put the CD back, hand it to me, put it back in the case, back, case back in the envelope, hand the envelope to me, have a good day, sir. And it was the second one that happened. Obviously, I'm still here. And, uh, Handed me the thing, and I was out of that office, found a taxi, told the taxi driver, I'll pay you 20 bucks if you get me back to my office in less than 20 minutes, and uh, racing through this city, and you know you know that feeling, right? You've talked about this recently on the show, where, where you've, you were sick, but you've scored the drugs, or you're about to score the drugs, you have them in your hand, and I was already feeling better, but man, nothing felt better than that shot when, you know, having avoided the death penalty, and... Uh, and getting unsick in an instant from a shot, you know, it's the most amazing thing in the world. Anyway, that's my story. Um, I want to say thank you, Dave. Love the show. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and me not say doodles. Uh, just kidding. Ha ha. Toodles. Toodles. Fucking toodles for Chris. Love you guys. Thank you, Miles. That's a great story. Send. Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Terrifying story. You're so scared of that story, you won't even say the name of the country you were in. Send me your address and you get Dopey Socks. You can either get the Bad Brains with the green mantis on the foot or the Skull Dopey logo with the Knicks on the ankle. Uh, pick your socks. Send uh, your address to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. If you out there want some new Dopey Socks, you know what to do. Send in an email or a voicemail and you, too, can get beautiful dopey socks we have a new sponsor of the show before we get to ethan supley i want to tell you about our new sponsor called delete me but first i want to tell you a story it all took place in the bustling metropolis of new york city where a quiet revolution was brewing my buddy alex a tech-savvy guy uncovered a shocking truth about the shady practices of data brokers. Personal information was being bought and sold without consent, fueling an invisible industry that profited from the privacy of unsuspecting individuals. 
Enraged by the invasion of privacy, Alex embarked on a quest to reclaim control over his personal data. After hearing about this terrible experience, I told Alex about Delete Me, an amazing company dedicated to safeguarding online privacy. Delete Me has a team of experts skilled in removing personal information from the clutches of data brokers. Alex quickly reached out to Delete Me, sharing his story and concerns. Delete Me's dedicated team swiftly sprang into action, employing their expertise to meticulously comb through the vast network of data brokers and remove Alex's personal information from their database. Delete Me is dedicated to protecting online privacy by helping individuals like Alex remove their personal information from data broker websites. By subscribing to Delete Me, you can regain control over your online presence and minimize the risk of your personal data being bought, sold, or misused. Delete Me's team of experts conducts extensive searches to identify and locate personal information on various data broker websites. They then work diligently to remove this information, reducing the chances of being accessible to unwanted parties. And if you are like me, you know how frustrating and scary it is to feel like you are being sold to the highest bidder. You provide the information you'd like deleted, and they do all the tough work to get your info removed. Delete Me monitors each site to make sure that your personal information stays gone. They also provide you with regular personalized privacy reports showing what information they found and what they removed. Subscribing to Delete Me offers several benefits. It helps protect you from potential identity theft, fraud, or targeted advertising by minimizing the amount of personal information available online. Subscribers can reduce their digital footprint and enhance their privacy. Delete Me saves you valuable time and effort. Tracking down and removing personal information from numerous data brokers' websites can be a time-consuming task. Delete Me's specialized knowledge and resources streamline this process, allowing subscribers to focus on other aspects of their life in a world where personal data is constantly bought and sold. Subscribing to Delete Me provides peace of mind and empowers you to take back control over your digital identity. Take control and take the next step towards safeguarding personal information and preserving your online privacy. I know my dad is going to love this. I ran into Alex a few days later and he couldn't believe the remarkable transformation. The targeted ads dwindled, the barrage of spam emails ceased, and his online presence became shrouded in a newfound cloak of privacy. In this digital battle, Delete Me stands as a champion, empowering people like Alex to protect their personal information and reclaim their right to privacy. Use the offer code DOPEY and you get 20% off all consumer plans. Or you can use the dedicated vanity URL, joindeleteme.com slash dopey, and get 20% off also. You go to joindeleteme.com, use the dopey code, join many who are protecting their identity by subscribing to Delete Me today. All right, one of my favorite guests we've ever had right now. I know the ad was long. I apologize. He's an actor. He's been in movies like Blow, Remember the Titans, American History X, My Name is Earl, a million other things. He has a podcast called American Glutton. He has some of the best stories I've ever heard and I've never heard before. Ethan Suplee. Wait a sec. I just remembered something. Before we get to Ethan Suplee, I want to congratulate the great Crystal Steph. 
Stephanie Roberts, and uh, on four years of recovery. That's a vape knock. Stephanie is invaluable in the Dopey Nation. She helps run the Dopey Nation Zooms. Thank you, Steph, and congratulations. And I also want to throw a quick shout-out to my friend and hippie, Trevor. On nine years of continued recovery, congratulations, Trevor. Trevor uh, used to come to the Dopey Patreon Zooms. I would never recognize him. I don't know why, but I love you, Trevor, and congratulations. And here is Ethan Suplee. If you want your anniversary mentioned on the show, just write me an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Here's, here's Ethan Suplee. We are doing Dopey. Yeah, we, we do Dopey so we don't have to do Dope. Exactly. And hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave. My guest, if you don't know, you know when we came into the building, did you hear the people whispering outside? No. I think it's Ethan Suplee. Did, that, did, that, did they pronounce it correctly? I don't know. Did I, did, I? I didn't hear any of that. You did. Yes. And I would be willing to bet you are doing a favorable interpretation of what you heard because I bet they mispronounced it. I think I'm doing the interpretation of what you told me in the elevator, right. but I've totally forgotten. Yes. Say, how do you say it right? Suplee. See, I was telling the guy who owns Zero Point, this is Zero Point Zero Productions, so big shout out to them for hooking us up. Thanks for having us. That's nice. Uh, I said, Ethan Supley, he said, I, he said like, you're saying his name wrong. <laughs> this is what the oh, owner really? said to me. But we're coming in, three people, I think that's Ethan Supley. Supley. If that happened, which I'm not convinced it happened, but Dude. I, I, I uh, that's um, just the, the buzz of the street that disappears, you know? Like, you might not hear taxis honking their horn because you're a tried and true new yorker i don't hear that really yeah well the thing is i'm a huge fan of of your early work okay i wouldn't my late work it's just gone to shit i'm not saying that i'm i don't i'm i'm just being totally 100 no, no, percent honest yeah. and when i say i'm a huge fan i mean like i lived in your movies okay i was with you for many 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 watches yeah like it was one like blow or american history x or remember the Titans, I was there. Yeah. You know, and I was high and I was sober. And I mean, I kicked in, in detox and they had the VHS of American History X. And I watched that and I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. It was so powerful. And I think that I'm just going to say this one thing you do is somehow, even as the most nefarious, diabolical, kind of evil character, you're still likable. Yeah. That's your quality. You have this this energy that is, you still like you even though you're like this horrible skinhead. Yes, I it's possible that that's something innate and just within me, but also there was the idea when doing that movie that you want to be portraying a person. And a person as bad as they are doesn't think of themselves as the bad guy. Do, do you know what I mean? Like that guy thinks of himself as the good guy. He's doing the right thing. So if I go at it going, everything he's doing is wrong, which I morally think it is, for the most part, it's all wrong. Like, I don't agree with him. But if I play it that way, it becomes less honest somehow. I mean... But this is me getting a little heady about that role well which, this is a lot like inside the actor's studio so yes. i appreciate Thank that you, Alec. you're welcome well you come in and you are seth this likable skinhead who puts his feet up 
takes jelly beans, shoves his face, blows them out. Why was the sister's name Davina? That might have been the worst part of the movie. What what kind of I, a name is that? I don't know. That I, I have no idea. That was the worst part of that movie. Her you name. You have to ask the writer who named her. Brilliant, brilliant movie. Yeah. But my point is, if you are a fan of your early work, like I am, and this is the elephant in the room, if you don't mind my sure. my pun. He was 500 pounds. I don't know that I was 500 pounds. 400 plus. In American History X. I got to 500. For remember I the tights. I got, to, I don't, I, I wasn't really weighing myself much then. But what I, my point is, that might have been, was that the height of your fame? Where's the height of your fame? Honestly, my name is Earl is the height of my fame. I mean, like, how do you want to judge fame? I had a, I had a movie career that was a legit movie career. I was doing movies like that. And then in the early 2000s, I did a TV show and I made a hell of a lot more money. And, uh, you know, that stuff you say you saw, which I don't totally believe you did, um, happened all the time. You mean the people on the street? Yeah. I didn't see it. I, I, I was like, I, I felt self-esteem for myself okay. just because I was with you and you were coming on the show. Right. That's how positive I well, am. That kind of thing, when you're on a popular television show, there's a, you know, I think, and somebody explained it to me, Johnny Galecki explained it this way. He said he was talking to Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt was like, I never want TV fame. When you're in a movie, you're separated. They have to, people have to leave their house to go and see a movie and then you're blown up and you're larger than life. So the people in movies are hard to touch. They're not tangible. They're out of reach. TV is in your house, it's every week, you feel like you really know, and by the way, who fucking knows, are we allowed to swear? We're allowed to swear, this is dopey. There's no swearing. Um, is there no swearing? No, you can oh. fucking curse as much as you fucking want, it, it, please. The way TV works now, who knows how it works? People are watching shit on their phones, so I don't even know, but there was a point in time where you, where the networks were king, and millions of people turned on the TV at the same time every week and shared this experience and the people were small and in their house. See, my th I've heard, I, 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 I get with what you're saying, but I'm thinking with a show like a Jonathan Galecki show or a, a My Name is Earl, because there's a sweet sort of scenario or like a, a TV family, you, you feel like you're part of the family. Yes. I bet Kiefer Sutherland doesn't get that reaction when he's in your house every week on 24 doing espionage and shit. I bet you it's right. different. I yeah. think it's that familial thing that makes you feel so approachable. Yeah. But my point is how do they, I mean like you lost so much weight. I did. The fact that you're recognizable was, was incredible to me. And I'm really excited about this conversation, not because of fame or TV versus movies, but transformation and like, cross addiction and like your life like we're talking before we started about accountability and when i hear you talk about that stuff i love it because you're because ethan does this podcast called american glutton and it's uh all about health and fitness and diet and, and transformation and you talk about accountability and i don't talk about how much accountability that dopey gives me but it does yeah and when you talk about it it made me feel really inspired and I really love that. Yeah. Um, when's the first time you got high? Or I guess we start with I, the the. Let me ask you a question. Ask me anything. I don't want to fuck everything. Please up. fuck everything up. I walked twenty five thousand steps yesterday. I can show it to you. I have proof. 
on my phone. What do you need? Is there any way we could sit in the shorter yeah, chairs? It's just Howie. Fuck it all up. It's all Howie. Feeling, hold on, keep, don't stop. Keep it don't all stop. in. Yeah, don't keep stop. Keep it all it's in. How, that's Howie. In. Say hello. Everyone misses you, Howie. Howie used to be on a lot. I just find myself using a little bit of leg strength to keep myself in this chair, and and my legs are so tired. No, I don't like sitting up there. I feel like a weirdo. Okay, okay good. Feel much better. Now, would you say you feel good? I feel great. That's that's we can do this for hours. That's not, that's I was not going to last that long. Pat. I injured my foot. And, and it hurt me more in that chair. Thank God. I, I, I wouldn't normally do that and ask to move chairs. It would be, you felt comfortable, though. It would though. be embarrassing. I did. I felt comfortable. Well, that makes me happy. Let's blame, let's blame Howie, though. I love Damn blaming Howie. Howie. Now, would you say food was your first drug? Yeah, for sure. And it becomes somewhat complicated to talk about it and think about it because I don't want to ever blame anybody. I say blame your grandparents and your parents. Right. I love blaming my parents. It's I, liberating. I understand. I totally understand. And there's a version of me, but I think like you get hit by a car, you can sit there and say the car is a bad car. That doesn't put you, you, you have to do the physical therapy. So, 100%. so in the same sense, like whatever happened, whoever, whatever the causation was, I was stuck with this situation. And I also think, as a parent and a grandparent now also, that there's a lot of ideas of what is right and wrong that we are constantly imposing on our children who are human beings and people just like we are that we're trying to shape. And sometimes we have to sit back and go like, well, their ideas about the world are vastly different than my ideas about the world. And maybe that's okay. And they're going to be their own people. So my parents and grandparents were worried about me and how much I was eating. So I was put on a restrictive diet at five. Now, the flip side of this is I look at pictures of myself at five and go, that's not an overweight kid. My five-year-old's a little chubby. And, and, and we're, we're not getting like hardcore restrictive. What kind of restrictive were they getting? It, the, fir the first memory I have of this was uh, my, gran my favorite food was lasagna that my grandfather made. And I went to visit my grandparents and he made lasagna on the first night that I was there. And I got a small serving and then was not allowed more. And this was devastating to me because I didn't get this experience with that dish of food that I wanted. And, it, and, and then I was told why. I was told that I was fat and I needed to not eat so much. So they were going to. What did they say? They said you're fat? I mean, this is 42 years ago. I don't remember verbatim what they said. But what what I took from it was there's something wrong with me. And, the, and their solution is to not let me eat. It freaks me out because I think we're getting a little worried about my five-year-old's belly. And she loves to eat. Yeah. Like she wants to, she just wants to eat. She doesn't want to stop eating. Sure. And um, I will not say you're too fat, Susan. <laughs> you can't fucking. <laughs> Good. I don't you, think you, that's a great thing. I was thing considering to say it. Like so it. I'm yeah. glad you agree. That was the yeah. thing to do. But it's like, we want, we don't want to be giving, I mean, I guess it's like trying to give her fruit, trying to give her celery, trying to give her things that aren't processed, horrible food. But your point is, they really restricted you. You had a real emotional response to it that you were different. Yeah. I think the version of what you're doing sounds more rational to me. Like if I was going to do that today, if I had a kid that I was worried about, 
I would get rid of all the, uh, you know, bullshit. C- calorie dense. We have so much bullshit in our house. It's a, right. I'm like in big trouble. So it's hard to to say like here eat the celery when there are cookies in the cabinet. You know. Oh my god, and the cereal. And I, cereal. I think you might need like to come that. out and do an intervention. Well, I, I, you know, at the same time, American glutton on the road. I think that America, and you live in New York City, which is really dense, so it's hard to walk your daughter. No, we live in we live food. we live in Eastern Long Island. Oh, and it's, it's not as dense, which is very nice. If you ever want to come out and do a little intervention, yeah, could be a thing. Okay, could be a thing. All right, so you're not walking her by all the bodegas that are making fried no. egg sandwiches. No, but she would love that. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't? I mean. Coming to New York is tough. There's food everywhere. But I think to your point, like she does want what we have. Yeah. She's like, Daddy, what are you doing? Yeah. She's like, but she but she's so interested in food. She's like, give me the give me the celery. <laughs> give right. me the give me she just it soothes her. Yeah. When you were a kid, did you realize that when you had food, you were soothed? Well, because I didn't know before this experience, but I immediately started sneaking food and and that became really my downfall was getting as much into my body without people seeing it as quickly as possible so i would just you know when people weren't looking shove food into my mouth and try to swallow it and not get caught and that you know ultimately became a big problem for me and when's the first time you I mean, I, I've I've heard you talk that you drinking wasn't that much of a thing, and drugs were much more of a thing for you. Yes, I mean, drinking, but drinking was a drinking big thing was for certainly a problem. What hit first, alcohol or drugs? Alcohol. And how old were you? And where was the f- was food anyhow connected to it? Was food connected to it? Like, was your sneaking food kind of the beginning of your food addiction? Well, there was a sense of the the, the, the only correlation I think would be that. I drank in a similar way that I ate, which is get as much into it, into myself as quickly as possible. And so, you know, if I drank a 40 and got a buzz and thought, this is how I want to feel all night, I would still drink four more 40s as quickly as possible, not, you know, not going like, this is going to get to blackout. And that's not fun. I never enjoyed a blackout, but I drank to the point of blackout so much that it was, so it was a similar thing in that my compulsion was just get it into me quick. How old were you when you, when you were drinking in the beginning? I probably started drinking at like 16. And it was like. It's 15, 16. Yeah. Was it around parties? Like, or was it by yourself? What was it? I both parties do you remember the first time like who are you with what was the deal yeah i I, there was a there was a liquor store in hollywood called holly west on hollywood and western and they didn't card so we would go there and buy shit and you know drink it behind the dumpster and then walk around there was a billiards place there so it was really hanging out in hollywood drinking and how soon after did you smoke weed I didn't smoke weed till I was 18, and this was an attempt. Um, I was doing mall rats. I was 18 doing mall rats, and I'd gotten blackout drunk a few times and was like, that's kind of embarrassing. I don't know these people. So 
I got to do something else. Let me just smoke weed. Smoking weed was a terrible experience for me. I thought for sure the FBI was after me. Right. Like I was serious paranoia. I never enjoyed marijuana. Did you? You didn't smoke a blunt with Jay? <laughs> no, I never. I don't know if Jay was smoking weed. No, that was what Jay was, fucking Jeremy had to. London. Jay had to have been smoking weed. Yes, he was, but I don't know if I actually right. smoked it with him. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but he was for sure. No, and and how was I, I mean. I just need to know how was working in that Kevin Smith view askew universe. It was so, it was a lot of fun. I Such those cool guys. movies. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, I I just love what he did. It's it, it boggles my mind because he, he created a universe. He really did. And he re, I just loved how he did it. Yeah. So you show up there and you're like, maybe I'll try weed. It doesn't hit you right. Well, I think that what I was trying to avoid by smoking weed ultimately was just as embarrassing because i was like a mess like a paranoid mess like locked in the bathroom causing a scene uh that level of paranoia so i woke up the next day going like can't do that again what you know what what's my drug and then i found pills and pills were perfect what did you find i first found vicodin and there was a bakery in los angeles a panderia and you could buy Mexican Vicodin for like a buck a pill. Where? In on, it was either on 3rd or Beverly, close to downtown. Because there was a bakery. I lived in LA for a little bit. It's funny because I heard you, I heard a little bit of the heroin drought story. And I heard you mentioning 6th and Bonnie Bray. Sure. And I was just thinking like, I like turned up on 6th and Spring. And I didn't, I was clean. Like I, I hadn't done heroin in like, a year and a half and, and i then you found i wanted there. to oh, I, I had no no, sure. no 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 i found myself i was a pa on something i was like production assistant on something i find myself there some homeless guy is like do you have a cigarette i was like i'll give you two if you show me where the dope is he's like it's there he's like boy, it's boy. right there. but there was a bakery on that sixth street between broadway and spring that was like a mexican bakery but it's not that spot do you it's know that not spot? that spot I don't know that spot, but I mean, there were a lot of those yeah, down yeah, there. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know that you could buy pills at all of them, but you could buy pills. They would like the, the, the baker Kenmore guys would sell the them? Street. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were actually baking anything there. They were just selling pills. They sold a lot of pills. I would go in and buy the nice coffee, light and sweet, and then look for the dollar clonopins on the street. <laughs> right. That was my big move. Yeah. And I would, I, I can even taste that coffee in my mouth. It's right a good coffee. It was a great coffee. Yeah, and, and, especially when you, Wash it down with the clonopin. Yeah, I would chew up those clonopins, buck, buck a pop, the fucking Vicodins, a buck a pop. Yeah. Also, how did you get, was Mallrats your first big part? I mean, I was on a show called Boy Meets World at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, my yeah. first job. Right. Mallrats was my first movie. Awesome. Yeah. That must have been really exciting. Yeah, it was awesome. So you, how did you stumble into the bakery? Uh, this was like, you, you got told about it. I was told that that's where, I, I had a prescription for Vicodin. And, and then I got convinced the doctor to give me another hundred. And I was like, this is for me. I mean, I would have thoughts of like, if, if, if this is what antidepressants are doing to people, then I totally get it. I completely get the idea of being medicated for life. Cause me too. That medication made you feel okay. It made everything great. And I wasn't a fucking mess doing it. I wasn't fall down drunk. I wasn't waking up embarrassed. I had a personality. I had confidence. That energy. Yeah. 
I know. Yeah. Like there would be times where I would get loaded and like clean in the same way that I would hear about Coke. meth people. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, me too. And I would go like, that's not how it works for me. I need opiates to feel that way. At first. Right. Yes. And then you're just asleep all the time. But it's crazy. That's all this weird brain chemistry. Like why Coke hits some people in this way and, and opiates hit another person. I had the exact same experience with opiates but i i did heroin first i i wound up <laughs> just you just cut the line to heroin it wasn't intentional you know what i mean i just maybe i did a couple pills here and there but i it never hit me right right and then like i wound up getting heroin and it hit me like exactly the way we're talking about where neuroses goes away paranoia goes away and that was here so you were getting powdered heroin yeah yeah, yeah. i mean they say China white, but we all know it's it's just who knows what it is. But who knows it, what it is. But in, in LA, we had tar heroin. But then I'd come here and get little bindles of powdered heroin, and it was like a treat. Oh yeah, because you also it's also. I mean, in LA, I only got heroin downtown, so I got the worst heroin yeah. you could ever get, and I only had it. Right. You, know, you know what I'm saying? It's like I remember one time I was actually in treatment. I was in, in detox in like Tarzana or some, you know, some fucking, what is this? Nicotine. Nicotine. I'm shocked. I'm shocked and scandalized. Really? You're so accountable and healthy and stuff. Um, How long have you been on the nicotine do you, thing? Do you want to hear my rationalization? I want to hear everything. Offsets early onset Alzheimer's. It does? It's a nootropic. What's the brand? This is on. I have been on nicotine. Is it a mint? It's a lozenge. No, I did those for a long time. This is a little pouch of dust. Almost looks like a bindle. Yeah. That you like get a little saliva into and then wedge it up like a dip, like a bandit. You remember those when you were a kid Mm -hmm. and you wedge it up there. You don't have to spit with these. So it's, it's much more classy. Did you go from cigarettes to this? I went from cigarettes to lozenges 18 years ago. Right. And then there was like, at one point, my wife said, we're going to save $7,000 in health insurance if you stop taking these. The lozenges. Yeah. So I stopped for a while. And then there was a, a brief moment of vaping when that started early. I was an early vapor. And then I felt very embarrassed by vaping. And then I came back to lozenges and then these things came out and they're like maybe a fifth the cost of the lozenges. Well, I'm very, I'm, I'm unfortunately very interested. I know Mark Marin. Do you not smoke? Did you smoke? Oh, I, you yeah, I smoked a long time and, you, and I don't. But, but I don't want to get you on to nicotine. Well, I've been on, I, come on. I've been on, if I want to take a trip back to nicotine land, I could do that. Okay. I went to Jazz Fest and somebody gave me, uh, someone was chewing nicotine gum. It's fucking and I was amazing. like, I was like, let me get, let me get a piece, you know. And I chewed a piece of nicotine gum, but but it, there's something about it that frustrated me too. Well, yeah, I tried nicotine gum very briefly. It just my jaw hurt. Yeah. So, but I also had some Trident. Okay. So I mixed it in with the Trident, yeah. which was more pleasant. And I'm blowing bubbles with the nicotine gum slash Trident. I the gum. The, the other problem is you chew the gum. The gum doesn't disappear, and then it tastes bad. Yeah. It eventually actually tastes bad. This is not like that. This does not ever taste bad. Now, I will say that my children, this is wintergreen flavor, and my wife and children are disgusted by the way it smells. So when I first put one in, 
they will actively stand away. What's wrong with winter green? What's not to like? It's delightful for me, but they don't like it. And I don't really care at this point. I think Mark Marin, he might be smoking cigars. He might be on nicotine lozenges. He might be on this. He might be on nicotine gum. Bob Forrest, nicotine gum or this. And I'm certain they think it keeps them skinny. I'm sure of it. This is not helpful. Help me stay skinny. Skinny's a lot more work than just this. So that, so if I want to be skinny, this is not the answer to that. I, I don't think so. Okay. Let's get back to the story, though. Okay. So pills, solving your problems, antidepressants. Yeah. What did I you get the script found for? Benzos. Those were a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed pills. Pills, like there's a there's a section of my life, and then the pills also got out of hand. But before pills got out of hand, where you know. Everything was really great. Tell us about it. Um, I had the bakery, which sold Vicodin. I had a doctor who I could go into and and sign. And this is probably terrible. And I I don't know what the legality of this is all over 20 years old, though. So maybe the statute. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. But we would go in and um, sign as though we'd been to see him a number of times. And he would just write us prescriptions. And we would get lorazepam was wonderful and Soma and... I never did Soma. I feel like I missed out on, on the lozenges. All shots. And, right, right, right. right. And so where's your career Percocet. at this point in this period? I'm doing movies. When When is Blow? Oh, Blow. Blow. This was all around the same time. I went... Um, I... Uh, I see a great story crossing your memory that you're yeah, that you're debating sure, not telling as soon as sure. it crosses. I might just leave some names out. That's of it. fine. But um, Leonardo DiCaprio. No, no, I'm Blow. S- this is a, during the movie Blow. We shot part of it in Acapulco, and a funny thing happened as I walked into the hotel we were staying at. There was a door that said "Hotel Doctor" on it. So I, of course, went in there before I even put my bags in my room and said can I hire you for the day? And he said, yeah. And then I took a production car and went around to every pharmacy in Acapulco. And a lot of the stuff you didn't need a prescription for, but the fact that I would go in and say that I wanted all of it, like everything they had, the doctor would okay that for me. This is like my favorite story I've ever heard. And I came back, I think, with 10,000 blue Valiums. Oh, my God. And I lo- This is amazing. Uh, all of Acapulco's supply of morphine that dissolved under your oh, tongue. Oh, stop it. And, yeah, and uh, there was a scary moment, and I, I just didn't know whether they could or not, but apparently they can't. I had, I spent days because they came in bubble packs, popping them out because I had a lot of grocery bags full of boxes of pills. So I had to get them all out of there to combine them because I couldn't, I didn't have the suitcases to fit everything. So I got them all out and I had two grocery bags full to the top of pills, loose pills. And I had them in a bag and we took a private plane what kind of bag? A, uh, uh, like like a, duffel. a duffel bag. Yeah. We took a private plane. Full of just loose pills that you loose bought pills, at Acapulco t- with, the, the, with the rented doctor. This is yeah. like an, working on blow about yeah. drug smuggling. Working on blow. Uh, tried to do cocaine in Acapulco, but it was like really humid, so you couldn't really cut it up, and it was chunky, and then 
not great, surprisingly. Let's take a step back for a second. Because it sounds like you're full-on drug addict at this point. Yeah. Like, at what point do you cross the line? Like, at what point do you go from, I enjoy getting high, to I need to take this every day or I'm fucked? I was fucked when I found the doctor in L.A. and I could just get prescriptions for lots of stuff. Did you know right away that you needed to do this every day as soon as you found him? It took a while. I think it was... uh I mean, a while, like a couple of weeks before I realized that I was going to get really sick if I didn't keep having it. And also, like, life seemed very pointless without any of that. And when you get cast in Blow, how excited are you? I to- was high as a kite on heroin when I auditioned for Blow. Can we hear this story, please? Like, when did you stumble into heroin? Heroin was like when that doctor wouldn't write a prescription or the pandaria was low on pills and you also like i would get stomach aches taking handfuls of vicodin sure so i didn't want to do that you know the artie lang story right uh-uh. artie would go on tour and, and he had some dealer selling him thousands of pills of vicodin and the dealer's like dude you're gonna destroy your 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 liver with just taking vicodin you need to do heroin so you can live longer <laughs> and that's how he wound up on heroin yeah so you felt some kind of stomach from the acetaminophen yeah and who and you were and who gave you your first heroin um i'd rather not say i don't need a person sure yeah a guy i'm sure it was johnny depp but we won't tell it was not johnny okay depp. it was definitely not Johnny. i'm depp. glad it was somebody famous i just figured it was like flacco on the corners johnny depp knew I was doing drugs and he was not, I don't know what he was doing, but he claimed to have um, four quaaludes. Like original, like like lemon. lemon, And he had them in a little bottle (laughs) that he would, and it could have all been bullshit. He just would shake it around He would shake it in my ear. Right, it's so funny. And and I'd be like, please, please let me have one. And he'd go, nope. How much older is he than you? Probably 10 years. It's amazing. We had George Young on the show before he died, and uh, he loved that whole process and Johnny Depp. And yeah. like he was a wonderful, sweet, sweet man. Did you ever meet him? Never. I that's so, so. That's interesting. Well, uh, he was in jail when we did that movie. It was crazy that he came on our show. He invited me to like go to Cape Cod with him. Oh wow! I was like, I can't do that. I can't do that, George Young. <laughs> um, but all right. So you're a fucking heroin addict auditioning for Blow. I don't know. I don't know if I was a full blown heroin. And I'm trying to impress you by telling you George Young was. I'm, no, gotta, that's awesome. I gotta be. I gotta be transparent. Here, sure. Accountable. Um, I don't think I was a full. I mean, I was an opiate addict at that point, and it was like if I couldn't get pills. So some famous person gives you tar, and how do you take it? You smoked, smoked it. Smoked it. Yeah, smoked it. And. So you're using it. You're going back and forth between heroin and pills. Yeah. And and when does the blow opportunity come across the desk? It was just you have an audition for this movie, and I wanted a good personality, so I got high on heroin, and that was when heroin gave me a great personality. I wasn't yet, you know, a mess from it. But did you know you're playing tuna, drug smuggler? In a movie about smuggling coke called Blow. Yeah. Were you aware of all this stuff? Sure. How excited were you to be in this countercultural masterpiece? It was so exciting. There was a point where we were going to do an ad campaign with just our like mugshots. 
and a little cocaine halo around the nostril and it and it would say got blow instead of got milk yeah it's great um and then somebody said we could get sued by yeah. milk for that but i thought that would have been awesome just our face a little cocaine around the nose and got blow that would have been a great ad definitely not to mention just i'm just trying to vibe off the grandiosity you had to feel being a drug addict in blow with Johnny Depp. Sure. And then let's get back to that smuggling pills. Yeah. I mean, like, these stories are very, very special. I will say a lot of those pills got flushed. I flushed a lot of those pills. But Before a duffel bag, I mean, I when I was in California, I had just gone from rehab in Florida trying not to do downers. My, my friend started doing meth. I did meth just so I could do downers. I went to Tijuana wanting to come back with the duffel bag of pills. We probably brought like this many yeah. and you lived the fantasy I wanted. So give us the, the details, please. We I, I spent days popping them out of the bubble packs, got them in the grocery bags, got them in a bag, carried it onto this plane, thought we're flying private. This is no big deal. And then they had dogs come on the plane and i sat there thinking is like am i now going to jail amongst all these casts who don't know that i have a duffel bag full of pills and then i i didn't the dog did not react to my pill bag do you think the dog was just looking for guns and bombs or do you think just heroin and coke fucking i don't horrible dog i don't know but that dog did not smell my valium dude but you're fucking a drug addict kid i mean we can downplay this but like that's one of the most glamorous big time Hollywood movies ever. Huge movie stars: Johnny Depp, Penelope Cruz, Ray Liotta, like fucking really fucking famous people. And you're a heroin addict, pill addict, opiate addict. Fuck up. Yeah. What's that like? Do you feel like you're? Do you feel like a fraud? Do you feel like you're I feel part like of a it? fraud anyway? I think that I've I've never not felt like a fraud. So. That didn't make me feel like more of a fraud. That actually fa- made me more comfortable. Those pills made me comfortable. I, I, I think the idea of being a fraud left when I was high, if that makes sense. Sure. That's why, I mean, I, I felt that. I, I was so concerned about everything. It was the first time I could not be overly concerned. Like, yeah. all I wanted was to not give a fuck. Yeah. And that gave me that ability for a very short time. Yeah. So why did you flush those pills? Well, not all of them, but I got sober that, you know, there were bouts of like, I have to get sober. I'm going to die. And staring at that many pills, which you're doing in conjunction with other stuff, uh, there were definite scares where like, you know, you, you nod out in, in a weird position and wake up and like, can't move your arm for three days or something like that. That kind of stuff was happening. And, you know, it was just scary. And I decided to get sober and flushed them and stayed sober for maybe a week and then felt like an asshole for having flushed them. By the way, there was a movie where I bought, I'm not going to say the name of the country that I was in, but I bought an ounce of cocaine and just to, and I, I ordered baking soda from room service and the guy brought me a bowl of baking soda knowing full well what I was doing with it. And I, I remember flushing half of that simply because I knew if I didn't, I would sit there and just not stop doing it until I'd done an ounce of cocaine. And that seemed like quite a bit to do in one night. Was it cheap there? I, I didn't really pay attention. to. Were you doing it alone? Yeah. See, so, yeah. And, and, and you're also incredibly overweight. Yeah. And that, and, and 
it's a stupid question maybe when you're in that mode and you're incredibly overweight and you're you know i gained weight as a heroin addict too i never got to your level but i also never had double bags full of pills but i felt so shitty to be addicted and uncomfortable in my body and no one saw me right what is it like to be in the public eye like that you know um as a very fat person there was a a way of disguising myself with some kind of fame because instead of being looked at for the train wreck that i've created with my body i'm being looked at because maybe they saw me on tv so there was a level of comfort in that because i became much more superficial as an actor than being examined for who you were right i get it so there was actually some like the people whispering that i don't totally buy happened but maybe it did Um, can we take one second can you just admit that i I happen i'm sure it does it happens quite a bit it happens and and i will say i would never say that i tune it out so i'm simply saying if they if they listen to this and they think that guy's a dick because he didn't acknowledge that we were whispering about him i really didn't they're definitely not going to listen to the show okay um That'd be awesome if they did. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. If you're listening, send an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. But there's something more comforting about somebody whispering. I think that's Ethan Suplee because maybe they recognize me from something in the 90s like you or because I'm fat. Does that make sense? No. Explain it more, please. Walking around prior to being an actor... I would get looked at right, and whispered right, about right, right, all right. the time anyways. And it's, all, it's so reassuring to have that happen when you're famous. It's just that I know it's not because I'm fat. Right. Or I can tell myself that it's not because I'm fat. No, because I, maybe it still is sometimes. Right, right. But that's like, it's a world of hurt. You know, it, it's, just, it's just a mental game of like, I'm not being ridiculed or i'm not even being paid attention to simply for fatness anymore there's something else that they're looking at so it's a distraction i'm actually it's like a disguise yeah it's incredible but it's also not only a a disguise it's also an achievement because finally you're not being talked about as fat you're being talked about as famous but all i care about is like more so don't look at me i get it see see this this famous actor. Yeah, it's not it's a me. sleight of hand. No, I get it. Yeah. I get, I totally get that. Uh, and you talk about having flashes of wanting sobriety. How, how often did that happen? That happened really uh, like prior to any of this, I, you know, I loved Charles Bukowski and I, I loved the idea of just being intoxicated most of the time. I loved Burroughs' book, Junkie. Like I read that, The Basketball Diaries. These were not cautionary tales when I read them. Do you know on Wikipedia it says you're in The Basketball Diaries? I'm not. No. I was desperate to to start this thing with The Basketball Diaries, but you're not in that. No. But I read those books too. I'm just a fan of the book. Me too. And the movie's good. Yeah, the movie's great. Yeah, and he's got some cool songs too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would have loved to have gotten him on the show. But you were a fan of the debauchery. I just, that stuff appealed to me. You know, I was so miserable in my life that having this idea of like, you take a substance and your life is utterly different. Like your whole perspective changes, your narrative, the story of your life is different, really appealed to me. 
Me too. Especially the science fiction of being on death's door and then you take a little bit and you're fully restored. Right. Like it's crazy science fiction. Yeah. And it's interesting because in your current life, you're so plugged into like, I mean, nootropics in this or what's in everything you eat or how the exercises you do impact you specifically. It's pretty similar now that I'm thinking about it. Sure. Yeah. Cause and effect. Totally. Like what, what can I do to get this thing? The only difference is, is with drugs, it's immediate. It, drugs, it's immediate, but drugs, it's also an escape. And I'm not trying to escape. Now I'm trying to experience. I, I, I would rather really try to experience the discomfort. And I say this really well aware that I switched seats to be more comfortable. And so I don't want to be judged for that. That's why I'm throwing that out there. But I think the discomfort of life. <laughs> I thought you meant switch seats in general. No, I mean, no, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, because like, Hey, if I'm so into discomfort, I should have just been uncomfortable the whole time, but there are small adjustments can be made. Uh, the discomfort of life before when I was trying to avoid it was a thousand times worse than when I go like, this is life. And I'm going to experience discomfort sometimes. What was the worst uh, the addiction got? Um, like in terms of amounts or uh, the, the worst sure. was congestive <laughs> heart failure. I, I love amounts. So if you want to talk about I mean, sure. like, I, I, I was doing close to an eight ball of heroin a day. And and would you buy it as, as an eight ball? I never even heard of an eight ball of heroin. Yeah. So and, and you had some guy who would bring it to you. I had a guy not far that I could go to to get it uh, or he would bring it to me, but he'd charge me a lot more if he had to drive right. the short distance to my house. So, What's your career like when you're doing an eight ball a day? How long did you do that much dope for? Um, six months. Okay. And my career is pretty, Prosperous. pretty good. I mean, like if I look back at the last movie I did before that, the trip to rehab that like really started me on the, uh, had a relapse after that, but like I was on the road, I was getting, like, I look at that movie and I think that movie sucks, but it's not, it wasn't supposed to suck. It was a big movie. I got paid a lot of money. I didn't audition. I wasn't auditioning. People just were offering me movies. So it could have been a good movie. It just happens to have not been a good movie. What movie was that? You don't need to say. No, but I, I don't, want to trash the movie no but it's not a good movie it's called the first 20 million is always the hardest i've heard of that movie john favreau wrote it and he's great and he's great and it was going to be great and the script was great and and it was like a, an r-rated movie and then like we started day one to get rewrites and they were like this has to be pg-13 so right. suddenly it's not as good but i but i started to have congestive heart failure on that movie i didn't know what that was but my shoes didn't fit and you're swelling up. I started to swell up and, and then by the end of the movie, I was swollen to my knees and I would quit using drugs for a week and the swelling would go away and I would sit in my house and be sick for a week. And then the moment that the swelling went away, I'd go back to drugs and I'd have a couple of weeks of drugs before the swelling would start again. When did you find out what it was? It got up to my uh, groin and it wasn't going away. I stopped 
using drugs for a couple of days and the swelling wasn't going away. It was creeping up a little bit. And so when it's, when, when it didn't even start to go away, I started using drugs again, went to a doctor and was told like, you are dying. You can't undie. Like you're on your way to death. And there's, here's a, she gave me something called LASIK, which was a water pill to make me piss. That did nothing. When you would take days off, would you go into crazy withdrawal? Oh, yeah. And how did you deal with that? You just got sick. Well, that was one of the things that I, in my life today, go like, how many times did I spend three days like as sick as I've ever been in my life? So, or sicker than I've ever been in my life. Not sleeping at all. Like there's not even the escape of sleep. That, by the way, the rehab I went to, you, you go through detox and you get out of detox when you sleep, a full night's sleep. You eat three meals a day. What's a full night to them? Six to eight hours. How long did it take you to get there? I didn't sleep for five minutes for 11 days. Right, right. I didn't sleep a wink for 11 days. And I was like, this is crazy, guys. Well, how long does it take to get this? I still don't sleep no, six to eight I, hours. No, I, I think you can fake six to eight okay, hours. But okay. you, they, they want to see that you've slept. So. so you're in that congestive heart failure mode and and the doctor's like you got to go to fucking rehab or you No, the doctor said i was dying the doctor was like did he know what you the were doctor, using yeah yeah um i was told i was gonna die and there was a moment of like am i gonna die a junkie and and like that seemed disappointing or am i gonna at least try to get sober and die sober? and you're young how old are you 23 yeah it's a good age yeah and so i decided to try and die sober and i went to rehab see that's very noble i maybe like the swelling went away i got out of detox i called the cab went to a crack house smoked crack for a week where's the crack house in uh tulsa oklahoma at a you know just a motel near a near a greyhound station that's how you find crack were the, did you smoke? You did I've never been 90s. to a crack house. This was just a, a very cheap motel next to a Greyhound station with a lot of action in and out of one room. So I took a room above it and became part of the action in and out of the room below. How long were you there? Three days. And where everyone like, Ethan, I loved you in blow. No, there was, no, that surprisingly did not happen once at that. Not that I remember. Maybe I'd been tuning it out at right, that point right. too. You like didn't believe it. Like the crack, the crack ladies would come in and be like, "I loved you and blow," and you'd be sitting next to the crackhead. They didn't really say that. <laughs> You've been in denial Maybe. about your fame Maybe. forever. Yeah. So you relapse immediately on crack, and then what? Then I had to go back to rehab, and the rehab, which was great of them, were like, "We're not just going to like let you buy your way in here again. You have to like work." And I and I, and they actually put me to work. I was. Uh, worked in the kitchen for three weeks to earn my way back into rehab, which was awesome. And that, um, accountability. Yeah. That was like my first thing of like, I'm an actor. I don't work in a kitchen and, uh, I don't serve the junkies in here. And I did. And it was great. By the way, I will say as a guy who mostly has quit heroin, the detox of cracks is not really that hard. You sleep and then you're hungry. Yeah, I never, I never really smoked that much crack. I yeah. smoked very little crack. Yeah. So you prefer a crack detox? If the detox, yeah, fuck yeah. Um, now I, I, I'm a big fan of 
yours and your story. And I really am very inspired to even sit next to you. Where do you think that came from? This work ethic, this like even just the idea of wanting to die sober. For, I would, I think I would have wanted to die high in that situation. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not even going to put myself there, but because you're such a hard worker. Well, I think I'd become an embarrassment. All this stuff that that was appealing to me about drugs, which was feeling as though I fit in. I didn't, I no longer fit in at all. It was really bad. It got, <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. I was a, a non-functioning mess at that point. Do you think the fact that you were so overweight was, was a huge piece of your early decline? Like if you had been less heavy, you probably would have been able to do drugs longer. Well, I think about that with, in terms of everything, like I could probably drink with my wife now if I didn't start <laughs> off. No, but do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. if I didn't start off yeah, yeah, the yeah. way I started totally, off. Totally. Constant vigilance, right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a guy asked me the other day, do you like cupcakes? And I was like, like? <laughs> do I like them? Sure. I also like crack and heroin. Like, right. like is such right. a weird thing to term it. Will I eat one? No, I'm not going to eat a cupcake. Yeah, you man. Know, you know? Last night was Father's Day. Right. And I'm just curious. Like, we got Fudgy the Whale, which is a classic Carvel cake. Do you know Fudgy the Whale? No. It's an incredible cake. I wasn't raised out here, so I, I know what Carvel is, but I haven't ever had it. Listen, I, I don't want to fuck with you. No, you won't. But I, I took my daughter. My daughter has wanted to eat my 18-year-old. Well, she's going to be 18 this week. Has wanted to eat pizza with me for a couple of years. It's like, isn't that kind of fucked up in a weird way? Well, she, she loves pizza, so... I thought like, okay, how do I earn pizza? I walked 12 miles and I earned pizza. I, I didn't- Where'd you go? Joe's. Because, I'll tell you why I went to Joe's. Because I wanted to show her that I have a picture with Joe nice. on the wall. And I wanted to show off and be cool to my daughter. That's awesome. And so I earned you know, a couple slices of pizza. And I don't feel guilty about that at all. But like in the middle of the day, on an average day, I'm not eating a fucking cupcake. Or a, nor a, a huge portion of Fudgy. Last night I had a huge portion of Fudgy the Whale. That's okay. You were never 500 pounds. No, but I'm on my own little mission and I have my own body dysmorphia. I'm like a sick person. Right. I, I'm like, I was on a good path and my path is not good right now. And I was listening to you and Joe Rogan talk and Joe Rogan's talking about eating ice cream and waking up in the middle of the night. That's what happened to me last night. Wow. I woke up in the middle of the night. I crept down the steps on my fucking broken foot and I grabbed Tums in the middle of the night to right. put me back to sleep. Yeah. Tums and melatonin. That's not the sign of a healthy person. That's not great. It's not good. No. Where were we though? We were in an important place. I don't know. You were just about to get sober. Oh, you were, it was just about to We're get talking sober. about your work ethic and yeah. like when did you think you because i remember you well, all I, I will say this i had this you know I, I think of all of it as like rationalizations now but like i never missed a day of work was something that i clung to and there were definitely days while in full withdrawal because there was at one point a heroin drought in los angeles and so and like couldn't get anything full-blown withdrawal working and then i decided to have set call a doctor and the doctor comes and as a drug addict you know you can say like well, i hurt my sciatic nerve how do they test for that and then you get a script but what did they give you 
15 milligram Percocets. Why? I mean, I would have been like, just give me methadone or like, I, I'm sick, you know, help me. <laughs> I'm fucking sick. I, I you didn't want to tell, well, you're lucky. Yeah. You know, methadone is not, is, you know, you're better off for getting the perks. Right. Uh, but it's also like you're an actor, a star in this movie. And like, no, but I didn't want to say that. Well, you know, I, I feel like as far as like maybe insurance goes, methadone could be a big problem for the for the movie yeah 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 it's not it wasn't a good idea i don't have the best ideas no i mean there's a universe where it's helped a lot of people so maybe a lot of people in our universe are still on it and they're doing much better than they were when they were take suboxone now some do you know some that's meant to be more short term it's meant to be but people are on it forever suboxone yeah they're on everything forever i i have made the mistake of deciding what's right for other people and sure. what's not right for them. Yes. And now my my take is strictly if it's working good for you. 100%. I love being abstinent Me too. and it's weird. Yeah. Like it's weird to say I fucking love it. I, I do too. I love being abstinent. But um will you take an Advil? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I take melatonin. I mean like yeah. if worse comes to worse I'll take NyQuil. Wow. I know. That's dangerous. I'm not proud. Yeah. And I eat Fudgy the Whale in huge portions. Right. So I'm not like abstinent abstinent. Yeah, sure. I'm, no, I'm not a nun. Right. And I think that's interesting about your work ethic that you wouldn't miss a day. And I think that there's some weird junky workhorse, right? It's some weird. Well, yeah. I mean, the lengths that I had gone to to get Just, drugs. Oh, what, Speaking of which, what's the shitting your pants story? We're right there. Uh, what's the shitting? Well, I will say to the people listening to this, he if, told the story better on Risk podcast, so tune into Risk. Well, if you want, if you want a like a really eloquent version of this story, he wrote a beautiful version. Shout out to Risk podcast. I don't want to. I don't want to steal no, their thunder. I don't, but I'm happy to tell the story. I there was a heroin drought in LA. I spent. I got off one day from work, and my delivery guy had nothing, and I went downtown to all those places, and they were. There, there was no heroin. Eerie. And then I called another like fancy Beverly Hills delivery guy. No heroin. And I called my delivery guy back, the guy who I like shopped at every day. And I was like, I'm really sick and I have to work tomorrow. Do you have anything? And he was like, I have something that I wouldn't pay you for because it's garbage. I wouldn't charge you for. Right. I wouldn't charge you for. So I go and I get that. And I'm... I'm not like, you know, as a junkie, the hardest thing is you're sick and I'm waiting to take this at work so that I can get through the next day of work and like driving to work. I'm sweating. I'm in a full blown withdrawal. I get to work. I was smoking heroin at the time. I smoked this stuff and I changed into my wardrobe and nothing happened. And I, uh, I'll explain a little bit further. So you get a trailer as an actor where you change and hang out for lunch and stuff. I'm 500 pounds at the time. And in these trailers, I don't know if you've ever been to a trailer bathroom. No. There is a very small toilet, which is between the sink and a wall. And the it's probably a foot and a half to two feet wide. Like, And I'm much wider than that. I've never shit in this trailer. Because I don't fit. In. That must be hard, very hard in itself. Yeah. Well, across the parking lot, there are proper bathroom trailers with stalls and regular toilets. It, 
I didn't shit a lot anyways, though, because I'm constipated all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So where to where to take a shit was the last thing on my mind at work. It happened once a week painfully at my house. I my bowels turned to liquid because you were sick because I was sick. And so clenching my asshole closed, I make my way back to this bathroom i barely fit in the bathroom by the way they're very small and i think if i just thrust myself back into this area i will get my asshole over the tiny opening of this toilet yes it's faith it's faith i pull i drop my pants i turn around because all of this is very slow going because i'm bumping into the walls at every turn my stomach's it's very tight And as I thrust backwards, I get wedged and explode at the same time. And there's shit all down my pants, all on my legs, all over the back of the wall of this place. This is a very graphic story, by the way. Um, I appreciate you. And as this happens, we're ready for you. It's Johnny Depp. It's not Johnny (laughs) Depp. This was not a Johnny Depp movie. This was uh, a little bit after that, or maybe a year or two. they're ready for me at work. And I just said, I've, I need wardrobe. <laughs> I need to see wardrobe. And you shout it from the back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, These, this is one of those moments. This is the, one of the worst moments of my life. And I can hear the, and I'm, and, and since I'm like half stuck and I've already made a mess and the idea of there's more in there. Um, Yes, there is. And I'm thinking about, there's a week's worth of more in there. Yes. And thinking about like, do I try to make it to the real bathroom? No. And it's just all coming out at this point. So there, it's just a total It must have felt also felt amazing that it's finally leaving your body. Yeah. I don't know if I was cognizant of that feeling right, right, at this right, point, right, but then this gal who was always so nice to me, came in and brought towels and helped me clean oh. up. Really nice gal. Um, took my clothes away in a plastic bag, brought me new clothes. And that's my shitting my pants. Wow. And, and, you know, that's one of those things where you think, like, everybody knows. Like, nobody else does this. Everybody knew. No, nobody else is having. You shit your pants at work. It's like you got to change your underwear or something. You you know what I mean? Like, that's how I think a normal person shits their pants at work. I shit the room. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. And I appreciate you telling it to us, even though the the better version might, it's on the risk podcast. I want to shout them out again. Cause I know you are. It's it's a 20 minute long version. Dude, the fact that you shared that is it means everything to me. So you fucking, you're in this treatment and you're earning your stripes. And you're learning accountability. Yeah. And and did you do 12-step at that point? I did. I done, you know. Did you shoot dope at all? I shot it a couple of times. It was really hard to find a vein. Your veins are robust now. Yeah, I have good veins now. Yes. I guess, but I, when you first got good veins, did you ever look at it and be like, mm. I actually did a movie. I worked with a guy named Nick Cassavetes, who's one of the all-time great directors, sure. I think. And, and uh and when I had lots of veins, I was playing a junkie. And so I was really shooting water. Oh, boy. Which was cool, you know? Was it? I mean, the fact that I... How much time did you have at that point? Years. And there was nothing to it? No, no, no. Nothing to it. 
Now, all right, back did when you when you got sober, how did you what was the transformation? What was the psychic change? How did you not use again? And how did your heart get better? Well, con- congestive heart failure isn't I don't know what the mechanics are, but like apparently that liquid when it gets around your heart, it just makes it so much harder for your heart to beat. So once that was gone, I was given a clean bill of health. And once I had spent some time sober, I still had bad blood panels. But like once I started losing weight, I've I've gotten a, a very clean bill of health, thankfully. I have one more question before we get to the great comeback. You know how in Pulp Fiction where uh, John Travolta goes to Eric Stoltz's house and he has the, the three kinds of heroin, mm-hmm. like this is good this is a little better and this is the madman and they're in like the Hollywood Hills or wherever they are. Yeah, sure. I'm always like, I'm buying fucking dope out of these guys' mouths on Sixth Street, garbage <laughs> here. Like I never, no one ever showed me anything good. You know what I mean? If I got something good, maybe I got something good like twice in my life and one time I was blocked. You know what I mean? Like here I got a couple of good things, but nothing like that. Were you ever in that kind of crazy Hollywood Illuminati heroin? Not with heroin. Never. With I Coke. mean, no, there was definitely better heroin, but it was all tar. Did they give you the stamp tar? The nice fancy bags of tar? No, I went to a dude who, all who was selling to those guys, and so I bought from him. Okay, so there was never any crazy fancy. But Coke, there was fancy? There was fancy Coke. There was. A, what was the fanciest? There was a Coke guy who you could buy just shitty coke from or you could buy a gram of colombian uncut cocaine and that was fancy and it was three times more expensive but it was was worth it for sure and did you feel connected to it because of the movie i think he got a bigger kick out of me buying coke from him than i got out of buying coke what about psychedelics? Did you ever do any psychedelics? No. You and Johnny Depp, a little bit of LSD in the eyeballs? Dude, pot fucked me up so I know. bad. I was terrified that if I did psychedelics, I would lose my mind forever. Well, I think that's fair. But I, I'm glad I covered these bases because sure. I know that it would keep me up tonight. Yeah. I didn't uh, ask him about psychedelics. Yeah, I didn't ask him. I just figured you and Johnny Depp are fucking dropping the, the murine in your eyeballs. I always, I'm looking for somebody who does liquid LSD in their eyes and no one, I never, never. Never happens. I don't. You know who I mean, did, you know, Scout Willis, Bruce Willis's daughter. She did it? No, but she had a, a vape pen full of DMT. Wow. Incredible. Right. It's a diamond in the rough. Incredible. You don't expect that. Yeah. Um. All right. So you get sober and you're still incredibly heavy. Yeah. So how much does your sobriety impact your desire to transform your body? I don't think I would have the desire to transform my body without being sober. It took a full year of clinging on to sobriety um, before I went, oh, I have this other real big problem. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was the most weird thing because I was seeing a girl and prior to that, it had some short relationships with girls, but I... I was so high and so out of it and 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 none of it seemed real. Does that make sense? So now here I am sober, seeing a girl and like actually thinking about the future with her. And there was a moment where it was as though I was telling her that I was like a 
a serial killer or like a thief or you know what I mean? Like a con man. By telling her how heavy you were that she knew. But it wasn't even in terms of pounds because I didn't, I, I, I had gotten weighed in rehab. So I had a rough idea of what I weighed, but it wasn't even saying, I didn't even say a number to her. It was just like this conversation about how I need to lose weight. What felt like I was telling her a secret because she had never brought it up. And I'm sure you had thought about losing weight your whole life. Not really. You. So let me ask you that the identity of being this enormous, you know, physically enormous person you were like, this is who I am. I had been put on diets my whole life and none of them seemed to result in me being smaller. So I had no faith that, that it, could, it could happen. Right. I just didn't think about it a lot. So, but when you say to her, I need to lose weight and it felt like a confession. Yeah. You hadn't said that to yourself and you hadn't said that to, to your friends or your family. No. Because never. Because you were like, never. this is my life. I think it was it's an interesting thing. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't that I it wasn't that it was my life. It was something that I was actively forcing out of my head. Right. So I was denial. It was denial. Deep denial. Deep, deep denial. And so confronting it and saying I needed help and saying I was powerless and didn't know what to do was far more profound with my weight than it was with substances because substances were always very separate from me. Substances were always this other thing that I'm doing, but, but having to confront my weight was like, Oh, there's a fucking locked door in my mind that's been locked my entire Stay life. Out. Yeah, don't go in there. And so getting in there was tough. It's a box in a box that's really, really interesting to me. Yeah. Because it's also like you're getting the ability to, to even have the conversation of powerlessness right. or unmanageability. Right. It's, it's, you've learned it. Yeah. You know, and now you're like, I mean, I see it as this weird opportunity. The problem, yes, I, I, th I, I you're absolutely right. The problem was, is when I started dieting, I thought of it as an acute problem, not a chronic problem. See, I, I, I mean, I found that to be a revelation when I heard you say it. Yeah. So sobriety is solved for me when I confront the fact that it is a chronic problem that I will have for the rest of my life. Then, and it's not solved. It's just managed. It's managed, right. 100%. That's how I can manage that. I spent years thinking that if I just got to a certain weight, the problem would go away. Right. Because you think never, if you get there, you're there. Yeah. But you never get to stay. Right. It's interesting. Um, and, and as a sober person, I don't know why I didn't understand that sooner. Right. Well, because I think I, I've heard you talk about the comfort of eating yeah. and the, com the comfort of life with food and like that box within a box you don't want to open because no. you want to have something that's yours. I mean, that's how I was with smoking. I yeah. was like, I don't want to give up. The it's mine. That's how I am with nicotine. It's the precious. I'm fucking not giving it up. Dave, come on. Listen, I'm going to take it up when we're done. As soon as we're done with this, I'm fucking going right right into that. I'm asking, I'm thinking about asking you to give me one right now, but you I don't want to have one. No, stop it. The Dopey Nation will have a fit. <laughs> a fit. 
I actually confess. We could to, drink some caffeine with the nicotine and just get now we're real really, loose. Now we're talking. Can I can I drink a whole bottle of Nyquil too? By the way, I will sometimes have. I, I try not to drink it because I do want my beverage of choice now to be water. Yes, but sometimes like. I'll find myself in an area where people are drinking alcohol. Yes. And I'll have a Diet Coke yes. with a lime. Yes. And I will feel a personality come on from that Diet Coke. It's wild. That is interesting. Yeah. That's placebo? I think so. I mean, what is it? Maybe it's a little bit the caffeine, but also just that I've got a drink in my hand. You my know? dad is very uh, anti-God anti-spiritual okay. and we were just talking about we like, are bacteria we were just talking about the power he's a science teacher okay. he was just talking about the power of i was talking to him about the power of prayer and he goes well if you can go for a placebo effect kind of thing and i was like i don't know if that's really the scientific proof of the power of prayer if it is just straight placebo is it do you know i don't know I, i'm a, i'm such a fan of placebo though here's what i would say to your dad uh, we should have done this at my dad's house. He would have gone such but a good But what, what I would say to him is, as far as like spirituality goes, that the, the, the laws of thermodynamics say that you cannot create or destroy energy. Right. You can just change, change it. it. So you are energized meat, scientifically. There is an energy within you that is more than just a dead piece of meat right the the difference between life and death is that all these physical processes are working but there is an an energy a scientific energy that's happening that is animating right whatever happens to that wherever that goes next why is that not spirituality why cannot that be i think that's enough yeah now let's get back to the 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 topic at hand because i'm very interested in food addiction okay the idea of it because i don't understand it like food addiction sex addiction gambling addiction drug addiction alcohol addiction they're all these things right but with food addiction you have to eat yeah doesn't that make it different than all the other ones i think so i think so It, it complicates it in a different way um, cause you don't have to fuck or gamble or do drugs or drink, but you if know. you don't eat, you're not going to be alive. Right. Correct. There was a period of time where I thought about this so deeply and then they came up with something which I think is so poorly named after the movie Soylent Green. They, they created Soylent. Do you know this drink? I've heard you talk about it, but tell, tell us about it. So it's just a drink for people who want to opt out of eating, eating. and it is, it, it is designed to Howie. be basically flavorless. And it just gives you like whatever the exact nutrition you need for the day in calories and fat and carbs and protein. And to get you off of food. I don't know. I think it's more for like Asperger's type tech people who are just like, why am I wasting so much time eating? That's what I posit. It's like having it. one outfit. Right. Like, I can't think gonna, about I it. Can't, I right. can't spend time doing this. Right. I'm coding or something. Right. Um, <laughs> Because there's so much pleasure for me in eating. Yes. Even even when I'm eating boring food oh, it's that so, I'm it's so intentionally great. making boring, I'm deriving pleasure from it. You can't excise all I have not been able to excise all the pleasure from eating, even though I'm trying to limit it quite a bit. It's so interesting. When do you think I mean 
you went on every diet that's been known to man basically pretty much there's this new one there's a shot ozempic i never did that because that was not available what do you think they they're also saying that that's possibly a cure for alcoholism and drug addiction that's such a fucking (laughs) reason for me not to take it right um because i've you've become the hardest working man in show business if that does the work you're fucked i i'm at a healthy weight i'm Ripped as fuck. Pretty happy being abstinent. I enjoy abstinence. The amount of times that I really think having a glass of wine with my wife would be a good idea is so seldom that, like, why do I need to? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm really look at my life and think that I won the lottery, that I'm living out a fantasy I had as a kid that I really thought was unrealistic. You are. I have four daughters and a granddaughter and a modicum of success. And I'm, people know you on the street. Job. People know me on the street. Like I am a miracle. 100%. And I don't see any reason today to blow it, to fuck with to it. To risk at all. it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. So with food, though, right? Like with heroin, with pills, with Coke, it's like, you need to stop. Yeah. With food, it was something you did. I've even heard you talk about being on a diet and then finding yourself blackout eating. Sure. And I, I, I do that. I did that last night. Yeah. Like I'm in. Like I find myself in animal crackers and frosting. And, and I'm like, what happened? And it's the it's, it's so incredible. And then I'm like 20 animal crackers deep and this much frosting. And I'm like, what the fuck am well, I doing? In the same way that I manage blackout drug use which i'm sure the dopey people can relate to this it's not that you do so much drugs that you black out it's that you kind of space out and find yourself doing them when you didn't when you had decided not to i find that i have to go you know if we try to safeguard the moment before we put the cocaine in our nose that doesn't work so is it the moment before we buy the cocaine or the moment before we get in our car to drive there or the moment before it's fucking way. How many moments before do we have to go way, way earlier that you have to be set up to go, Oh, that's, that's That's a fucking deadly road. Not going to go down that road because that road seems innocuous, but I know that once I step foot on that road, I'm buying drugs tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Or next week, even it's not, I just wish I hadn't done the transaction. I found myself standing in front of the guy. I don't know how I got there, you know? Every time I got there, I just knew I, I just wanted it so bad. Right. Um, so when did the just wanting it happen? Right. And whenever, and it's not, it's probably before you actually could pinpoint it. And then whatever's going on in your life and whatever thoughts you're allowing yourself to settle on and meditate on and ruminate on, you got to do something else. Right. It's like, I remember when my early, and, and once in a while I, I'm on a good jag with, with food. I've been, recently I was on a good jag with food. I had Doug Bobst on yeah, Dopey great. doing the Dopey Fitness Challenge. He's great. Like instructing us to drink more water and eat more protein and all, all of this stuff. And I'm like doing it and I felt good. But I remember in my early days of trying to get sober, I had this weird visualization where I'd see a record, like a like a record spinning, and the needles on the record, and I couldn't let it play. The needle would go, 
and that's how I feel about this kind of stuff. If you can get into that groove yeah. and let it play, it's way easier to not go this place, go that place. And, and again, like you said about Susan, like we have the fucking animal crackers and the frosting in the house. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, that's a good step one. You don't want to drink. Don't don't keep alcohol at home. alcohol in your house. That actually was a long time before I was comfortable. And my wife didn't drink around me for a long time because I was like, because she recognized it. I wanted to take full credit for this, but really it was her going like, I'm not going to do that around you or even do that right now. And then five years in, we're in Italy and she's comfortable having a glass of wine and I'm comfortable sitting at a table with her having a glass of wine and it's not fucking ruining my life. Right. But- Day two out of rehab, there's a bottle of wine under the sink. Yes. It's not safe. No. When you look back at your way to, to losing 250 pounds or whatever, like how similar was the experience to getting sober? The difference is like in a, in a, in a similar way when I treated my drug use issues as acute instead of chronic, it didn't stick. It wasn't until I went, oh, this is just me, and this is a forever thing, and I'm going to have to work at this forever, and that's okay, that's just my lot. And it's not something to be sad about, because that, I think when I, when I thought about it as acute, the idea of it being chronic was horrible. I can't, I can't have to be like this forever, like this forever. And when I, when I kind of embraced that, it was a lot smoother. Life became a lot smoother. So in a similar way, I lost lots of weight and gained lots of weight back. But when I, when I went, what the fuck am I doing? I understand how my sobriety works. I need to apply those principles to food and my life. It kind of just settled down. When do you think, I understand what you're saying. When do you think being uncomfortable became reasonable to you? Well, it actually became, strangely, I, one, one of my many endeavors at weight loss was riding bicycles and I rode bicycles for almost two years every day or five, six days a week. And then I would do like one race on Sunday, which was like two and a half hours and pretend that was a rest day um, and starve myself and not eat. And, and, and there's something those guys get really into the suffering of riding a bike. That ascetic, weird like shit. you riding a bike up a hill and it's fucking, it's a nightmare and you've got to love it. You've got to actually. It's like drugs in some totally, weird way. Yeah, it's it's totally masochistic, and it's um, they embrace the suffering. If you're not suffering, you're not you're not really experiencing it. Well, you're in a totally different frame of mind. Totally, a totally different frame of body. You're enduring insane conditions. It's yeah. changing your whole thing. It's a lot like drugs in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. The the cadence of pedaling becomes this Zen, like almost mantra and the way you're breathing and just the, the stress you're putting on your cardiovascular system. It's all 
kind of not quite erotic, but, but there's something there that's more than I'm experiencing now, certainly at the gym, but I'm also like trying to really get a, not be obsessive about this stuff. You, you know, what about addicted to exercise, addicted, obsessed with physical transformation? How does that, how is that similar and dissimilar to addict shit? I've been totally obsessed and addicted and hyper-focused and, and that's been, that's better, I think for me, but I'm in a place now where it's like, how do we also live the rest of our lives? And isn't there a universe where it's like one hour at the gym every day and not working so hard that you're fatigued for the rest of the day and, and being able to have a slice of pizza with your kid, even though I earned it by walking 12 miles, which I still think is a little bit probably, yeah, it's a little bit too much. Like I didn't have to do that. But that's the vigilance of being like, I refuse to go back to that place. I'm not eating a cupcake for fun today. Mm. It makes me so scared though. Cause I would, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to give up the frosting. And, right. Well, and the, but that's crackers. the problem. I wouldn't. The, the other issue. I is, know as a drug addict, I've been here with drugs and with right. cigarettes. I know Listen, what it is to be there. Your problem is your problem to have and determine what your problem is for your five-year-old kid. I wouldn't posit that it's this. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. and I don't. I, yeah. I'm not there. Sure. I'm, I want to. I want to get more like you, but I don't want to suffer like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I no, I do. I and I didn't. I don't have to do that. I, I didn't. I, I think that. I think that yesterday was extreme. I like even as I say it. What do you get to eat for pleasure? I really try not to eat for pleasure. For pleasure, I like honestly. See, that's that's serious recovery from food addiction, though, yeah. right? I'm. I, but I still do have pleasure eating, but like salt is pleasurable to me now, you know? Um, and I don't mean like engorging. I don't mean like food. Well, that's something that's off the table for me because there is a sense of euphoria with overeating that I can get like, um, because an old, old feeling, right? Like Thanksgiving when you, you eat to the like like you picture what the romans did in the nauseatoriums or or where where they ate to the point where they vomited for me sitting on the couch and eating to the point that i'm literally sick to my stomach there were endorphins involved in that that i can never that is completely off limits so what are you eating like a day what'd you eat today today i had some turkey i had a greek yogurt i had i've had two liters of water I had a protein shake before I worked out. That's Where do you go work out? Today. The real gym, gym? Yeah. All right. And in the beginning of your drug addiction recovery, what was your pattern? What was your habit? Were you going to meetings? Were you dealing with anybody else? Were you by yourself? When I first got sober, yeah, going to meetings. You were doing I, it. Oh, yeah. But you don't do it now. I haven't been to a meeting probably since before COVID, like an in-person meeting. But you were going up till COVID. Yeah, not regularly, but I had meetings. So you liked them? Yeah. All right. You miss it at all? I remember trying to go to a meeting during COVID, but almost just that I wanted to be around people. And it wasn't that I was like, oh my God, my sobriety is fragile. I want to go to a meeting. It was, where are people? 
where people like me, I want to go there because the gyms were empty and then there weren't any meetings. And then somebody said, you can go on a Zoom and I didn't really feel like going on a Zoom. No, I hear you. I hear you. And how often do people come up to you around weight loss and fitness the way an addict might go up to somebody who they knew was all fucked up on drugs? Like how often are you doing service around fitness and health? Fairly regularly. Constantly. Every day, at least somebody says something about it. Yeah. And do you feel, does it feel good? Does it keep you on the path? Cause we talked about accountability at the yeah, very beginning. Man, if I, I've, I, I don't want to take, I, the thing that makes me uncomfortable is like you inspired me to do X and, and that makes me uncomfortable. But when I hear from people that have achieved something and want to share it with me, I feel overwhelmed with pride that I'm somebody they feel like sharing it with. What's the difference you think? I don't know. Cause it's like, I mean, it's, I know what you mean. Shit that you did when I said you're being of service by doing this. Right. And you said, no, I just want blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, 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 I want to yeah. be Howard Stern. But it's fun. It's so fun to have people go through something and, and accomplish something and share it. Yes. It's the best. I mean, and, and I get choked up sometimes simply because I fully understand what it is to do that and then the pride that's involved and wanting to share it because it's not always something you want to share do you know what i mean you're not walking around telling people i lost 100 pounds you almost want to protect that from other people so the people you want to share it with that i feel like is an important connection i have with people no i think it's beautiful and um can I, can I ask two questions? yeah sure. um Earl, you got down to like 200 or something? Three, 300. 300 during was, My Name is Earl. I got to 200 after My Name oh. is Earl while riding bikes. Right. Okay. So what was, and you said it was like just too skinny. It wasn't. Yeah. 200 for me was too skinny. But was it that you looked at yourself, you're like, all right, now I'm thin, but I want to be ripped? No. Or, I, right? I didn't want to be ripped, but I felt like my whole life having been a large guy and at 200 pounds, I was not, not a large guy. I, I felt waifish. I felt, yeah. Oh, oh we're doing we it. Go. I mean, we should put this on, you should let the dopey people see this. So how do you do one? I take it. This is terrible. This is terrible that we, I'm going to let you take your own and put on my tongue on top. and then get a little saliva on it. You got to moisten no, it. And you're doing it off camera intentionally <laughs> and then i shove it up in my lip up there don't chew it my you gotta spit it out at the end yeah. now i want to follow up on howie's question and isn't howie beautiful yeah by the way sometimes you are not going to be happy with anything anybody says unless they say what you think is right so at 240 pounds I went in to see this doctor who's a fucking awesome doctor named Dr. Heisenga. He was the doctor for The Biggest Loser. He's a sports medicine doctor in Beverly Hills. And I was 240 pounds. And, and in my head, I thought, I need to lose 20 pounds. And then I'm done. And he said, oh, no, no. You need to lose a lot more than 20 pounds. You're, you've got a lot of weight to lose. And he said, let's do a DEXA scan and we'll see just exactly how much you need to lose. So I said, okay. And here I'm going like, fuck. Cause him saying you need to lose a lot more. I'm just, I'll go like, he's probably right. What is it's going to be 40 pounds. It's going to be 50 pounds. Does the DEXA scan 
comes back in, looks at the results, says we need to do it again. Something's wrong. Go and do it again. And these are long. It's just like a 20-minute scan. Come back, and he looks at it, and he goes, like, I can't believe it. You're 14% body fat. You do not need to lose any more weight. You're done. That's it. You are at a good weight. And when he said that, I thought, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. I need about. to lose more weight. I need to lose 20 pounds. He has, you know what I mean? And then I went down to 200. And number one, I was miserable all the time, fatigued and hungry and tired. And then number two, I just felt too small. That's when I started lifting weights. But I went back up to 400 pounds. Also. So initially, that's, that's an important thing before we end. Initially, you wanted to lose weight. When did you want to become like strong? Well, I started lifting weights and just enjoyed that enjoyed lifting weights in the same way that i enjoyed riding a bicycle for eight hours and got some release from it i could get a, a release not quite as extreme but from lifting weights for an hour i felt great afterwards so it's almost like therapeutic to go to the gym for me i feel better after an hour in the gym but initially, it wasn't to get into some crazy shape. No. It was just to lose the weight. Well, no. I don't even think I was trying to lose weight. I was just like, I, I wanted to exercise, but I was also eating everything in sight. I didn't care about my weight, I, and I was rapidly gaining weight, but also working out. But I'm saying from the initial losing the big weight in the first place, were you, were you ever like, I want to be like super muscly? No. You were just like, I don't want to be really, really fat. Right. And then the, the cliche question is, when were people like, I need you to be like this to be in the movie? Was that a big fear? No, I did one job, which um, was a, my favorite job to date, which is a television show called Chance on Hulu. And I had gained a lot of weight. I was close to 400 pounds or 400 pounds. And uh, this was like 2015. Mm. And uh and when I went in to see them, the casting director was like, I'm glad your agents told me you weren't so thin anymore because we wouldn't have seen you for this had you been wow. thin. So that, so I knew that was happening, but nobody ever said, oh, I was, I was asked uh, for this TV show I'm doing now by somebody like, what, what would you think about gaining 10 or 15 pounds? And I just said, absolutely not. Are they looking for you for different roles? Is it like you're playing like the, the crazy strong axe murderer guy instead of the fat friend guy? Not or is that a not totally. The, the the show I'm doing now, which I've been told not to talk about, I'm playing the dad next door. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And when did you become a grandfather? Uh I can't I can't talk with this. Fourteen thing. months ago. I can't do it. It's too much. I don't mind the feeling, I just can't talk with it. Right. I never, I never, it's right up there I never, yeah. But I've, I, all of, since uh, 2005, pretty much I've had something like this. I like how now. it feels in my head, though. Yeah. It's that nootropic relief is, is, is real. Yeah. How you want one? I'm just kidding. Um, what were we saying? Grand, grandfatherhood. Grandfather. 14 months ago, I became a grandfather. Mazel tov. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And like being a sober grandfather, being an accountable grandfather, that's next level. It's great. All right. How you got any more questions? What's your other question? The about your kids and like they're growing up. 
they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And in the back of your mind, are you thinking like, I need to lay it all out so that they avoid everything? Remember I asked you the same question of like, I have the perspective. Parents who don't have addiction are already worried about my kid's going to try this. They're going to do that. I don't know what to say. But you have all this perspective and the weight loss and physical change perspective. Did you feel like with your kids, like I need to sit them down and I'll set everything up? Well, for for weight loss, I feel like I've failed them. R really more than anything, I don't want to impose restrictions on them because I found that for me, the restrictions made everything more appealing. And then I was hiding stuff because I knew that it was super taboo with my parents, eating and drugs and alcohol. And so with my kids, I'd much rather just have them be willing to talk to me about anything. So I try to not make stuff off limits or anything too rigid. Punitive. Yeah, nothing's punitive. Because once something is punitive, then they want to get away with it. Yeah, that's been my biggest attempt with my kids. I, the, the failure really was with food simply because I've shown them very bad extreme dieting stuff through their lives. The last five years have been pretty even keeled, but before that I was on all kinds of crazy diets. And then one other question, because when people, when I talk about wanting to get in shape, I always use my kids as an excuse not to. Sure. Like how can I eat well if they're not, how can I eat good if we're eating like shit as a family? Like did your kids eat whatever they wanted while you had your separate thing? Yeah, they did. Um, See, that's hardcore, I think, for you. Yeah, the failure was that one of my kids got type 1 diabetes. And, I knew that. I don't know why I didn't ask about that. And then it became this weird paradox where I don't want to create any boundaries for them with regards to food or substances. And suddenly I had to because, or I say I had to, I guess I didn't have to, but she would have died very young if I hadn't with carbohydrates yeah i had to i uh, i also i also had to when she was a teenager allow her to figure it out for herself a little bit because there were periods where i felt that she was not being as responsible as she could have been but she needs to learn from her mistakes and when i would sit down and lecture her and try to do this i get nowhere and the only change I saw was when I came to terms with my own thoughts on what must be right and went, I need to not, this is her battle. And I said, I'm not going to talk to you about this anymore. I'll support you and I'll help you with anything you want me to, but I'm going to step back. And when I did, she figured it out. And that's good parenting. I mean, thank God the whole, you know, there was for sure the first month or two where I was like, I hope this is, I hope, you know, and, and I had to stop doing that even because I, I really, the hope needed to be that she was going to do what, she, what the, was the right correct thing. for right, her. Right. Yeah. Well, I heard you talk about, you have your, your house or your car or your truck and your kids are not that. Right. Your kids are them. Yeah. It's not an extension of us. Right. It's them. And I, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean. 
I love your story and I, I really appreciate uh, the whole thing. I, I could sit here and come up with a million things to talk about because it's, it's fascinating. I can't thank you enough for doing this. I hope it wasn't too excruciating. No, for it was you. great, man. I, now, just be honest with me. Was it better than Joe Rogan or almost as good? It was, it was great. Thank it you. It was completely different. Well, dude, I'm so happy you came. I really appreciate it. Was it was my pleasure. Thanks Why for not? having me. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. Right, this is an extra long episode. Fucking Ethan Suplee, man. Fucking hell. That Mexico story, the shitting in the bathroom story, the losing 250 pounds business. Serious business. Serious, serious business. I don't know. It's a long episode. If you guys are still with me, let me know. The thing about Ethan... You know, I, my 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 health game is off. My nutrition game is off and all that. But he is just all about consistency. And whatever you're consistent at, you will show improvement at. And I think that's an incredible lesson. Somebody else who's very consistent is our friend Nat X from Recovery in the Middle Ages podcast. Recovery in the Middle Ages podcast is a great podcast it's Nat and Mike, two suburban dads trying to make sense of what it is to be sober in the suburbs, to be alcoholics and drug addicts trying to make a good run and not letting anyone know what's going on. If the soccer moms only knew, they talk 12-step, they talk alt-recovery, they talk research, they talk dopey. Check them out where all your podcasts are, recovery in the middleages.com. So if, you, if you're actually... Listen to the end. I, I guess I won't tell you to leave an email if you listen to the end. But here's my dad. You know how to write an email. Dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Here is my dad. And then we're going to finish with Fentanyl J on a super long, I think really solid episode of the show. Here's my dad. All right. So it's been a little while since my dad has been on the show. So here he is back on the show. Yes, Welcome I, back to the show. I'm back. I'm back. Hello, everybody. And happy Father's Day to you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I had a very nice Father's Day. Did you have a good time? It was very nice. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yes. Why did you have a good time? Well, I saw my grandchildren. I saw my, my wonderful son, David. Yes. yes. Uh, and it was good food. Yes. Very good food. Um, now, Dad, I have a quick question. When you go around and about like you might come to my house or you might go to uh anyone's house and you need to use the bathroom do you ever have to use toilet paper in your in your travels why does this thing keep making this noise what is this thing <laughs> it sounds, sounds like fantasy basketball oh just <laughs> please stop this thing how it's the off season how can there what is it why why is it making that noise Give it to me. Give it to no, me. No, no. Just give it to me. It, it's a month since the NBA <laughs> were playing. Why is the fantasy <laughs> basketball going on? The, the, the technology is terrible. They don't even know when basketball season is over. It's to keep addicts <laughs> like you hooked on I'm fantasy. Not, I am not hooked. I'm, I'm perfectly good. You're hooked I'm, on fantasy. I'm just thinking about my team for next year. That's all. Now, let's get back to the point. When you travel around in the universe... Have you used toilet paper outside of your home before? The answer is yes. Do you know? Do you let me ask let me rephrase this question? This is an important discussion. To me, it's very important. Do you ever think to yourself, this is good toilet paper? 
Have you ever had that thought? As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm being upset that my own household toilet paper is not good. It's bad. Yes. And and why do you suppose that is? Uh, because I think I bought it in that store out on uh, near Sable, that big big store, and I guess they're no good. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dad, when's the last time you feel like you made a good purchase of toilet paper? I think, yeah, I think up at the Lakeside Mansion, I think we have better toilet paper. What? And do you have a preferred brand of toilet paper? Do you know in your there's, head? There's something that says Air, Air Thing, or, or Charmin. You have, you have or, no, so, you, I don't think you've ever bought Charmin because you only buy toilet paper based on price. I would imagine. This is my assumption, having lived with you many years of my life and knowing you very well, that you only buy toilet paper based on price. I would imagine the best toilet paper you ever were really involved with was the Costco brand. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Or it's the <laughs> So what you're saying is you don't think that the toilet paper in your house right now is good enough. I agree with you. Yes, we have to upgrade. <laughs> it's it's I, I'm very excited to hear that. So that's that's good news. So you're going to so when are you going to make the switch or are you going to go through this first before the switch is made? Well, probably we'll go or maybe I could give them to you. <laughs> no. no. No, okay. Yeah, it will, it's after we go through these. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to we're going to stuck I'm with I'm not these. making this mistake again. Well, good. I'm I'm very impressed. This yeah. is normally you would say, "What? What's wrong with the toilet paper?" No, no. Now, before we get to the reviews, I want to know. Also, your pound cake is a dollar ninety nine. Not bad. That's huh? a good good deal. On the with pound. Sarah Lee, it's good. That's decent decent pound cake. Now, last week we had Fentanyl J back on the show. Yeah. Um, we had that guy Dante Ross on the show that you that you weren't crazy about. So oh. the music producer guy. Oh yeah. So lay it out there, Dad. This it's been it's been like three, four, five weeks since you've made a criticism about the show. So where has Dopey been in your head since the last time you were on? Uh, it's fine. You know, it's fine. fine. Uh, yeah, well, fine is not good enough for you. Oh, uh, I, I, I need I need a decisive Alan uh, criticism here. Look. I, Fentanyl J has to get his act together on his own. You're trying so hard with that poor kid. You're trying so hard, and as as we all know, he's going to have to do this on his own. He has to figure out how to how to get a real life. Let me ask you this: Do you think, you know, as a father, as an elder state, statesman of the universe, as a teacher, and I want you to really think about this question: Do you think it's bad for him to come on the show? You mean that it would hurt him in the courtroom? No, in any way. Do no, you, do no. you think it's har- Do you think there's any harm being done to Jay by him coming on the show? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think. Do so. you think there's any benefit to Jay coming on yeah, the show? Yeah, if he would listen to everybody's support of him and uh, and take advantage of take advantage of how everybody cares about him and and uh, and make some positive change in his life. Yes. Do you care about him? Yeah, of course I care about him. All right, that's nice, Dad. Uh, any any other criticism you'd like to make of the show? Uh, no, no, I don't want to. I don't want to make any more criticism. Uh, Why I, not? Well, that guy, the uh, the music producer, Dante Ross. Yeah, he thought too much of himself. I think you thought he was arrogant. Yeah, and by what, I didn't what? like that he didn't give you a music contract. Did you listen to that Patreon thing? What was the Patreon thing? On Patreon, I. Sh- 
Did he say on the show that he wouldn't give me a music? Yeah. Cover? Oh, unless it was on Patreon. One of the places. It was on Patreon. Yeah. I played for him forever yeah, exactly. in debt. Yeah. 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 Well, how was the version though? I thought you did a good job. I mean, wasn't that the normal version? I, I just sat here and I played it for him. Oh, super. That was even live, live music. He was he, not impressed. No, well, he said, he, you know what he said was, I think it was better than I expected. That is what he said. Yeah. He said it was better than he expected. Yeah. Uh, so you think he was arrogant. What about the show in general? No, it was all right. And what about you? Actually, what you said about Dante Ross off the mic is, I didn't understand a word he said. Oh, yeah, I mean the you jargon. couldn't keep up with his slang. Oh, and, and the jargon and the slang of, uh, of of the music industry. I have no clue what he was talking about. And what about uh, Steve Earle? Who is he? He's the one who lost his son to overdose. Oh, it's, oh terrible. Yeah. No, I, I I I just know that it's whatever it was. It was a terrible story. I I don't have any opinion how good or bad he was for the show, but it's certainly a terrible story. So you have no no criticism. This is not the usual kind of uh, stuff. What, what you, you got nothing. I'm looking to you for criticism. You got. You, got you should very be little. happy. What are you talking about? You so you be, think the show is at, at peak form? Peak form, yes. Oh, peak form. Jesus Christ. You want to read a review before you go? Uh, My dad made me stop so he can pitch an idea for the show, but just do it on the show. All right. Well, because then you're going to tell, yell at me that's that, that I should have yeah. I should have spoken yes. to you before we yes. did it on that's the show. Yes. Yeah, so, so now you're going to yell at me. I then. might. What's the idea? All right. Here's, this is this is a philosophical discussion. Yes. Here's, all right. I'm very very upset that Fentanyl J got his name because he sold fentanyl, and the he also was addicted to fentanyl. Oh, okay. And the and how many people have died because of fentanyl? Yes. And then I was upset because or even how many people have died because of fentanyl J? Exactly. Exactly. And then I was upset because of uh, the gambling advertisements all across the United States and that the fact that And that we have a family member who's actually working for a gambling company right and how many people how for many, shame and how many people would be affected into into uh, addiction because of gambling and destitution etc and then meanwhile you're totally hooked on the uh, fantasy basketball teat i'm that's this suckling sorry. the breast of fantasy well, basketball good. Let me, day and night and let me finish because that's also part of it yeah and then there are people uh, working for mcdonald's how many people have have suffered because of of uh, of the poor food choices of French fries and uh, and stuff at McDonald's in terms of what is the effect of these three kinds of of things in terms of affecting human beings, fentanyl, gambling. Is, you really want a Nobel Prize? They're bad. They're all bad. I know, but you're, 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 but it all goes. Does it all go back to each person has their individual individual choice of over going too much or with fentanyl? It could be one, two, three. You're out of it because you don't have it. You do it once and it's over with. I find gambling, that your hypotheses to be weak. Well, I think there that are selling people. fentanyl, I think, is worse than the gambling and the McDonald's. That's what I'm saying. Well, there are people out there, maybe even in the dopey nation, who are fentanyl users who aren't looking to use anything besides fentanyl. They they have some kind of method of keeping their dosage uh, in the world where they get to stay alive and get high, but they use fentanyl. Uh, then there are people who probably gamble at a clip that isn't unmanageable, and of then there course. are people who eat. Of course, gambling is, is you know, it could be uh, enjoyed. So your, your hypothesis uh, is that the fentanyl dealing is worse than the gambling or uh, 
food. That's what I'm thinking, because I think these people are playing Russian roulette with fentanyl. With the gambling and the food, you certainly have a, a major choice of keeping it within limits. Well, I think that the fatality uh, percentage is way higher with fentanyl. Yes, Dad, that's an amazing, it's an amazing I, 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 uh, I observation that. you're making. Well, I, that people die quicker from fentanyl than gambling or food. That's really that. It's amazing. Look, it's, it's I, I, you know, you, I you told stunned you we should, me. We should have talked talked about. This Are you before. ready? Are you ready for an idea that you will come back with? You're kidding me. You ready? Oh, I'm gonna. Yeah, Everybody ahead. thought it was done. Everybody thought it was over, and this is an exclusive for Dopey. And Ray Brown just walked in the house. So Ray, why don't you sit with with my dad for a second? Because this is a big exclusive for the show. You got you got to get closer. Don't, there's no fear of corona or covid right now everybody thought it was over but if anybody knows anything about the show what have i been tirelessly trying to develop since before the show even started dad do you remember what it is othello cookie that's right the ah! othello cookie black and white in every bite right yeah there's a chef called Scottish Francis, or France, something like that. <laughs> you don't even know his name. He's on a Netflix show called Snack vs. Chef. He's a shortbread wizard. He has a bakery in New Jersey. This last 10 days, all he's been doing tirelessly is working on the Othello prototype. On Thursday, I'm meeting with him at Katz's in the morning. I'm going to buy him and his lovely wife lunch, and they're going to give me the first iteration of the new Othello prototype. He is on board what do you have to say? You gotta be kidding! I <laughs> knew he'd say that. Bring your lawyer. Bring your lawyer. Well, what lawyer? Why do I have to bring a lawyer? Get it in writing. Get what in writing? Get Could you give him the mic? What are you doing? Get the contract. There's no Ray. contract. This guy's gonna rip you off. Ray is the most undercover hater in the history of undercover haters. Are you excited for the Othello? Absolutely. Ray, are, it, I'm very excited. That's that's more like it. All right. Do you have, have you anything else you want to add before you read reviews? Oh, oh, do I have to? Re I'll, I'll read reviews. All right. Are you happy to greet Ray? Hi, Ray. <laughs> now listen, Ray. Me and my dad have been going over some dopey con preparation, mm. and if you're out there, New York City, Sarah, we want you at DopeyCon this year. This is Anybody out there who knows the real New York City Sarah, New York City Sarah had a, a problem with my dad's affluence and his white privilege. And we would love to have you at DopeyCon IV. It's New York City Sarah, just drop an email. Yeah, it's IV. Drop an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. And dad, are you going to read a review? Do you want to read New York City Sarah's review just to maybe remind the Dopey Nation? No. Okay. Well, New York City Sarah, if you are out there, if anyone knows the whereabouts of New York City Sarah, please contact me. DopeyCon, of course, is on October 7th in my dad's neighborhood on the block. Now, Dad. Okay, a review. Are you interested in having a contest where a DopeyCon winner can sleep on your couch? <laughs> what? Does that interest you, that kind of a contest? I sleep on Alan's couch? I don't think so. No. Okay. Read the review, please. Uh, joined June, June 2023, five stars. Nice. Planning to binge, I listened to the excellent Andre Royo interview because the, because the Wire. However, I'm sticking... you got to hold the mic in front of your face. I, I am. No, I'm sticking... Like this. Like this. You think your hair's good like that? I'm, I'm sticking around because the host and topic. Because of the host and topics. Well done. Research, relatable, all that. All that jazz. 
See, that's a very good review because he's not a, a terrible junkie, that guy. Now watch my dad look for the review that has Alan in the title. Look at him. Look at him slyly trying to find the next Alan-based review. No, I'm, I, I, it said more, but I didn't find any more. Then his, the next review says, I'm loving it. Five stars. And the review is like McDonald's. Okay, what else you got? Um, I want you to read the review from Nicole. Nicole wanted you to read the review. I thought we had read it on the show, but I guess I had cut it out. Well, I don't know how to get. Okay, Nicole keep. Really. What's the next review? Uh, th these are old ones, though. They're, they're not newest ones. Dad, you're not good at finding the reviews. Well, because I didn't do it the very good way. All right, that was all I had. That's right all. Now. Hold on, hold on. I can get the reviews. This one here. Okay. So this one says, in love, uh, five stars. I love the Dopey Pod so much. I am nine months sober and give much credit to Sober Podcast being a part of my life. Nice. First, Jer Jersey Jerry, he's my guy. Then to Dopey, who I found through Jersey Jerry. Dave, you do an amazing job. That's nice. I miss Chris, and you seamlessly started doing it on your own after he left us. I am part of Sober Buddy, the Dopey Nation, and the Dopey Zoom, all because of you, Dave. Thanks for helping me stay sober. I listen to you every day. Stay strong. Toodles for Chris. And that's from uh, Nicole. Dad, do you know you have rhinestones on the edges of your reading glasses? So what? <laughs> I think those are ladies' glasses, Dad. David... I need to be able to see. I don't you, care how the glasses look. The don't. toilet paper is <laughs> terrible, and your glasses have rhinestones on them. So what? I need to be able to see. My eyesight is not doing well, and these are. I got readers uh, too. I got readers, and they're so small. They're not. They're, they're like for uh, a child or something. They don't fit my face. But mine don't have rhinestones on them. Well, then you should get ones that fit. It doesn't matter if they had rhinestones. They don't make them big enough. So, but thank you, Nicole. That was a beautiful review. Thank you, Dad. I think this appearance has been amazing. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, you have anything you want to say before we go? Yeah, stay strong, everybody out there. Be healthy. And will you pray for Fentanyl J? Um, I'm, I'm praying doesn't do any good. It's, it's the actions that count. That's the important thing. What about thing. the action of prayer? The action of prayer, if it makes somebody feel good, it's perfectly fine. In terms of actually doing something in reality, I think do, did I, you don't you? believe in the power of prayer, even though science all, you can science the power of prayer all over the place. Well, as a placebo effect, sure. If it works, that's I don't great. think that's the science of the power of prayer, but next week, or next month, or whenever you come back on the show, I will be researched in the science of the power of prayer, and we will talk about it then. Is there anything else you want to say before you go? No, no. Do you want to read another pure, uh, positive Allen review? <laughs> here, here. I'll read a couple uh, positive <laughs> Allen ones. This is funny. Listening to the BBC interview, and Allen called the review an iPod email. And it made my day. So I had to write one. The most beautiful show about the unedited specifics of love and growing as people. And that's an email for Alan. And he spelled your name right. Oh, that's nice. Is there anything else you want to add before you go? <laughs> no, just everybody be healthy out there. All right. Toodles for Chris. Now, on a normal episode, that's where I would say stay strong, Dopey Nation. But I've been talking with Jay, a.k.a. Fentanyl Jay, and I just... I, I wanted to get him on the show this week. So to close out this show, which I really enjoyed, uh, the Othello, Ethan Suplee, my dad, uh, here he is back on the show, everybody's favorite fucked up fentanyl dealer slash ex 
fuck up fentanyl dealer fentanyl jay yes so um, i'm jay also known as fentanyl jay here's a spot right here it's a little bit further a not handicapped spot (laughs) jay i decided help you we have a walk listen we have a miraculous moment in time where miraculous here here, put that on headset bro we have a miraculous moment those are old they check, put in, check, they check, put in check, work. How does it sound? Check. Sounds good. Check. All right. So we're at a... Listen, Jay was on last week, but how often is Jay going to come on the show super sober? Super sober. So I want to strike while the iron is hot. Jay, let's celebrate your sobriety. There's people in Dopey Nation praying for you actively. Hell Do you yeah. think that plays a part in your cleanliness at the moment? For sure. Well... Cl- let's cue the uh, clap button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, just hit your vape against the mic in, okay. in honor of Chris. No, I mean hit it actually against the mic. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, that just hit it. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So to break it down, yep. last week, yep, you came on the show, mm-hmm. shitting on the cops, yep, saying it's not your fault. It wasn't playing the victim. It was, I am. You are, and now <laughs> here you are. Six days sober. Six days. Didn't I say? I said at the end of the last show, I said, hey. You've said that many times. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the first time you said that. I said, hey, in 30 days, right? I might have 20-something days. And and that's how you do it, right? Like yeah. a ninja in the night. A ninja sneaking in. The night. in. It's fucking Sneaking in, in the back now door. I'm fucking in the, and now I'm in your house. You so, know? so how do you feel? I feel good, bro. Where are you at? Look good, feel good. Starting to align. Fucking getting priorities straight. You talk you know? about alignment a lot. It's important. So let's. Why don't you define alignment? Okay, alignment for yourself. For me. Yes. Having your mind. Yes. Your body. Yes. And your spirit. Yes. Coordinating together as one. Wow. So you like that? Yeah. That was pretty good. I'm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, so I'm so totally with so, you. so so. Wait, let me ask you this before you say another word. Are there many people that support you as much as I do? No, I mean I support I I, I support on another level. You su- yeah, you're I'm, super support. I'm another level. Your next supporter. level support. Now b- back to the alignment. Oh uh, wait, back to the support. Uh, shout out to fucking all my friends on PokeGo, bro. <laughs> I got like dopes thirty. Dude, I'm getting fucking gifts from fucking California, from fucking wait, Louisiana. From fucking Oregon. Wait, what are they giving you? They're giving me a lot of fucking cool stuff, dude. Lots of fucking pokeballs and potions and shit. Potions? Yes. What are it's these? Vital. It's vital. That's how it works? Yeah, I texted my friend the other day. I had a. I ran into. I texted Vegan. No. I said, bro, there's a wild Charizard out here. I have no pokeballs, bro. Can you send me a gift? Yes. He sent me the gift. I, I, this is amazing that you're so into it. Yeah. And Jay sent me a picture of himself when he was 18 playing Pokemon yeah. back then. It was Halloween. But you were into it. I, I was into it, bro. See, that's one of my favorite things. Like I was into it. When you get into a recovery zone, you look back at what you like to do maybe when you weren't ruining your life. Yeah, And before. you look back and you saw Pokemon. Ash, catch them. Got to catch them all. All right, let's get back to the alignment. All right. Oh, alignment. Yes. Mind, body, spirit. Yes. So they all, my alignment means they're all operating at, some kind at, of the, decent cap- at the best capacity best. they can be. You know? Have you ever been aligned? Though? No, no, no. I'm on my. I've been on my way What's to alignment. What's the closest to alignment you've been? Mm, probably when I was in jail. That was it. Probably. Describe it for me. So when I was in jail, that's really interesting because the only thing you're avoiding right now is jail. 
Well, yeah. And that was the only time you've ever been aligned. Like really Dude, aligned do you, up. Do you, are you taking in what I'm putting down no, right no, now? No, no, say it again. If the only time you've ever really been aligned yeah. is in jail, yeah. and you actually have an invitation right now to go back yeah. to jail, <laughs> yeah. and you're not, and you're very resistant to yeah, that, yeah, yeah. even though perhaps jail can be the chrysalis for you to emerge as the butterfly, butterfly version of yourself chrysalis. aligned. It's possible, but that's with see, the that, book. That's what I'm trying to do now. Confessions of a fentanyl dealer. The book, the brand, the whole nine. Book, the brand. Oh, dude, you know who's on this episode that yeah. you're on with? Yeah. Uh, Ethan Supley. You who's know, it? he was on Blow. Oh no way! And in Ethan no Supley's appearance, he said not only did he audition for Blow on heroin. Oh shit! But that while he was working on Blow in Acapulco, this is fucked up because the audience already heard this at this point in the show. Oh, oh but shit! Fuck it. I gotta but Google him. While he was on set in Acapulco, he hired a doctor to take him around to buy every Percocet that he could find. No. He filled up a duffel bag. With oh, loose, this guy. Yeah, with he lost two hundred and fifty pounds. He's oh, a, he's aligned. Shit. But let's not ruin this time on I'm him. I'm sorry. Yo, shout out to Ethan, bro. So he fucking did it high as fuck. Yeah, but that's And he not... got the part? Yes, but let's get Good back. for him. Let's, yeah, let's get look back. at him. He lost a lot of weight, huh? 250 pounds. Oh, he's aligned up. Dude. He's let's, aligned. Let's get back to your alignment. He was a great actor. Yes. In your Damn. quest for alignment, mm -hmm. your next move is to get shredded. Yep. You're sober. Or are you going to do spiritual work as well? Mmm. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I mean, spiritual well, isn't necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. That's what you were getting at, though. That's what I felt like you were getting at. I just think that like <laughs> that could help your alignment, but I don't care, dude. If it's working, I need to do spiritual work, but it's more like fucking, like looking inward and seeing what I want to do and to get from from this life, you know. Well, it is clear to me that you're not going to get it drinking or using. It's possible. Tell the story. Of which, I, I mean, I want to next time you come on, I've been thinking. Yeah. I bet you have a ton of stories of back in the day when you were a big time fentanyl dealer mm -hmm. and hanging out with other drug dealers yeah, and doing yeah. crazy drug dealer shit together. Yeah, yeah, I did lots of drug dealer but shit. But I want you to tell this brief story about how your mom invited you to go skydiving. Oh, yeah. So did you went. Did you saw the pic. Did I send you the yeah. pic? So tell the dopey nation the story. <laughs> so, so I went skydiving yesterday. And also, it should be known that your first relapse after you had ten months was with your mom. Was it? No, it was your sister. Your family is out to get you. Yo, they're they're anti-alignment. They're anti-aligners. Anyway, well, you know what? I don't think drinking necessarily is gonna fucking throw you out of alignment. It throws I you out you of need, alignment. It throws me out because of alignment. Because you're an alcohol. You're a serious alcohol. It throws me out of alignment because I drink too much and I drink a lot. You know what I mean? You're the real deal alcoholic. I drink. I can drink a lot. Except unless and then GHB I drink pretty daily. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Until I'm fucked up. Right. So, but that's my point. Your family knows that you're a horrible drug addict. So why would they think drinks in the mix could possibly benefit you? I don't know. Because they want to have fun. Yeah, exactly. They want, they, I'm a fun guy. I, drinking Jay is what a lot of fun. What the mushrooms say when he got to the bar? <laughs> We're going to run that out of time. That was off the cuff. So real quick, she get you got in the car with... Oh, yeah. Oh, so your, I, fun, your fun guy joke? Uh, yeah, yeah. That was off the cuff. That's great. That's great. Off the cuff, yeah. Are you oh. happy with this phrase "off the cuff" yes. that you didn't say "off the cusp" or yes. something like that? Is that why you're Are looking you proud of me? Listen, I'm always proud. <laughs> right, I'm just please. happy you're fucking on the show 
Sober. Sober. He Sober gets in the car. Oh, yeah. Get in the car. Fucking with my mom. Fucking Ed. Fucking. Who's Ed? Ed's her man. Like 15 years. Black dude. One eye. Fucking. One eyed Ed? One eye. Got shot out. Literally. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's got one eye. This dude's going skydiving. Does he have a glass eye? Yeah. Okay. And, bro. Can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> Does his eyes look at you in the no, same it's, direction? No, it's like. It's like. It's like uh, hot. It's like blue, but it's like so. It's like a shield is over it. You but know what I mean? But does it look you in the eyes with it, the other eye? You you can. He wears glasses, so it's kind of hard. But like, if you look at it, you're like, damn, what is he looking at? You know what I mean? So one eye is going one way. One eye, yeah, exactly. Well, one eye is moving. The other eye, I think, is pretty still. But it's like light, 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 light blue with like a glaze over it. You know what I mean? I don't think it's glass. I think it's just fucked up, and he didn't take it out. That's he doesn't want glass. It's like the the crazy, uh, what's that shit? Cataract shit. Some shit like that. So he's cataract in one eye. Yo, straight. You can if you take you, there's nothing. You can't see shit. I only have fucking three minutes. Three minutes. Yeah, I hop in the car with fucking Edward. Shout out to Word. Shout out to my mom. We fucking get in the car. Oh, shout out to Cronut Hunter. She looks pretty cute on her Pokemon thing. <sighs> but that's just a fucking you know. Let me yeah. let me see. She's like a fucking level forty-seven or something. She's she's the real dude. Did she come from Dopey? Yes. How do you know? Cause I got an influx of people. I didn't even know when you dropped the episode because I wasn't. Cause you're not there. Cause I'm not on it. But I could tell by the influx of fucking action of influx of Pokemon action. So did your mother or did she not oh, offer you tequila yeah, before skydiving? Yeah, she brought me a bunch of fucking, uh, what are they called? Shooters of tequila. There were like four of them. There was like five of them. To the, she doesn't drink tequila. But she, she knows vodka. you do. She knows I do. She knows I'm a fucking tequila guy. You know what I mean? Does she know about the fact that you're a drug addict and an alcoholic and everything? She knows that I abuse drugs and Did she know alcohol. that you were making a run at AA for a bit? Uh, yeah. Did she think that was bullshit garbage kind of thing? Santa Monica. Look, that's from Santa Monica. Corona Hunter? No, this one is fucking Gandy Girl. Shout out to Gandy Girl. Wow, they're lining up on in the Pokey universe. Fucking Gandy Girl. Look, oh, that's Gandy Girl's got the fucking Mewtwo. Isn't that dope, bro? I don't know what that is. Gandy Girl's the baddie, actually. Nah, Gandy Girl. Look at her. That's not even a. That's like a weird cartoon thing. Yeah, it's her Anna. It's Do you think her, that's what she looks like in real life? It's possible, dude. She's level forty three. She can make All right, it yeah, look yeah, like yeah. her. So, so what did you? How did you tell your mom? No, and we got jewel go. squared. Oh no, we gotta go. Um. I said, Mom, I'm fucking... No, no, at first I was like, I'm not drinking, going on this fucking thing. But then we went out to, to lunch after. It's like, Jay, you should have a drink. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should. But you know what? Maybe I shouldn't. How was the skydiving? It was dope. Was it thrilling? It was, was that the first time you've ever yeah, done it? Yeah, it was a thrill. You, was there a you guy go? on your back? Yeah, would you go? Was it kind of like homoerotic? It was a little weird. Yeah, yeah. He's like, the, back it up on me. I was like, like, okay. And, he and then he strapped he in. Like, he strapped it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He strapped he up, that? strapped was in. Was it a little like thing? It was a little it was Would a little you weird. have rather had a woman tandem? Definitely. You, could you think you can request a woman tandem? I, I didn't. There wasn't like a single woman there, Like a masseuse kind of thing? Would you get massaged from men or from women? Women. So tandem skydiving, you're okay with the fellas, or you feel it was a little homoerotic? A little homoerotic for sure. But I'm not not that I'm not into it. You know what I'm saying? You uh, can deal with a little homoerotic. Yeah, a little homoerotic can never kill nobody. You so know? you, so it was. It so was, he's. I'm sitting on he this was bench, tender. and he goes back that thing up on me. I said, okay. Did he say back it up? On me? <laughs> he said back it up. I said, okay, I'll back that thing up on you, daddy. He's, and I fucking said, please go slow. It's my first time. <laughs> please be gentle. I backed it up on me and I heard him and then he started tightening all my fucking harnesses and shit. He strapped it in. He strapped it in oh and then he goodness. started whipping the fucking belts and shit. And that's when it got a Fuck, little bit And now I'm like, oh my God, now I'm stuck. Right. You know, now I'm trapped here. And then did you, when did you plummet out of the plane? So then he's like, all right, scoot it up. 
So you got to scoot it up. Yeah. So the hip thrust, scoot it up. Yes. And then I fucking, my mom goes out the way. Bro, it's like you're in the plane, and then a second later, you get fucking swallowed by the air, bro. Shoom. I was like, bro, I want to do some backflips and shit. He was like, all right, cool. I got a video doing fucking flips and shit. You do? Yep. Where is it? It's on my phone. Who shot the video? The guy. Was it like drugs? How do you compare it was cool. with skydiving to drugs? Like, if it was a, all right, so skydiving. If skydiving was a drug, what drug would it be? It'd be a fucking speedball. Right. I figured as much. Yeah, yeah. Because you're going fast and then you're going slow. And then it's just silent. And you're gliding. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you're fucking. Like, if it was a constant free fall, it'd be like fucking smoking crack forever. You know what I mean? Because that's what the free fall is like. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. And then they fucking pull the chute. And then it's like silent because your ears are popped. So, like, they pull the chute and you go, and you like stop. But then you can't hear shit because your ears are popped. You know what I mean? It's all so it's like, oh shit, now. So I'm as you're floating chill. down in the silent sky, yep. What are you thinking? Now about? I'm chilling. Are well, you thinking about alignment? No, I'm fucking thinking about fucking doing twirls and backflips and shit. You so know what I mean? But once you're floating though, yeah. Well, at first you're like, oh shit, this is pretty. You know, like look how high. I am. How do you do backflips when you're on when the shoe pops? You fucking yank the shoot and it like you, it comes with two gliders. You know, like two. You get your each hand on each thing, and if you pull left, you go left. You pull right, you go right. He just yanks down on the right one, and you fucking spin like that. So you're like doing tricks. Yeah, it was sick. It was sick. He was cool. Shout out to JM. So you did not have um, any introspective thoughts? None. Any thoughts about alignment? None. Any thoughts about the future? No, no, no. But it felt pretty zen. Listen, man. That is a thrill. That's You're a zen guru. It who? felt you. Well, I'd love to be. You are. But I would love... I think I want to try it, but I don't want to do any tricks. All right. You want to try it? I think I want to try Let's it. Let's do it. But what I really want to do... When are we doing it? I don't know. Jay? I'm thrilled to have you on the show. So zened out and happy. You Zen, look very happy. Zen guru. You feel good? Feel good. Look and, good. And next, you look tan. Just leave me alone. Look next good. time, next time we will talk about your plans for the future. Will you start thinking about your plans for the future now? Yes. You will? Once a little bit more, yeah. You make a commitment to doing that? I make a commitment to doing it in the future. Dopey Nation, the only reason we're cutting it so quick is because I'm about to jump on the train. So, Jay, thank you very much. Love you. Love you. Stay strong, everybody, and fucking toodles for Chris. Fucking toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. I want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Would they pay it any mind? 
leave the busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds. Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And these suckers make me mad. And I wanna call my dad. And it's all I ever had. 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 And these suckers make me mad. And it's all I ever had. And I wanna call my dad. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had. And it's all I ever had.